A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Paul Hitter Podcast. This is Rob. Thank you for joining me today. On this show, I am going to be bringing on Jake Hallisker and Phil Dussault, two very prominent and successful high-stakes players in the fantasy baseball world. So we just previously finished a best ball league on the NFBC site. Um, They just introduced a new format that Phil actually had a a large part in getting um, laid out there for us into the world. So um, just to give you a brief description of the league, it was a $150 buy-in league, um, the best ball league, the optimal scoring format. You don't have to make your lineup changes. It takes your best lineup each week. The 46-man roster, draft and hold, so no pickups during the year. There was 12 owners in the league, and it was filled with a bunch of my podcast listeners as well as analysts from around the fantasy baseball world. So we had Eric Cross from Fantrax in the league. Um, We had a listener, Mr. Hinkle. We had John Fish, Jake Hallisker, Phil Dussel, myself, Darren Wan, Derek Rhodes, Eric Albright, Mr. Dave Swan, Zach Waxman, and our buddy Ryan Ireland, who earned the draft title of the most grittiest drafter. He completed a surgery on Thanksgiving and was still drafting from his hospital bed. And great admiration for that guy. He he toughed it out and he made some solid picks along the way too, so... Yeah, so I put out a tweet to see who would be interested in a little podcast listener league, and we filled it up really quick, and it ended up being the inaugural draft for this format. So we were the first ones to partake in this particular draft, and it felt kind of cool. And I think everyone who was a part of it felt the same way. They felt a little kind of uh, special um, bond in doing this draft and it was a competitive draft along the way we we it was really not unlike a dc there was no there was nothing to fall back on in terms of adp or history um so it was a lot of times we you know you couldn't really look at adp at all um but it was it was a fun draft it was uh we had a a, a group chat going to, to you know harass each other along the way and it was really good. We had some, uh, we had some surprise picks, some great picks, some bad picks that we mocked each other for, um, which actually is going to be part of this podcast at the end. Um, the league gave uh, 
Jake and Phil and I the blessing to roast some of their picks. Uh, I was a little hesitant to agree to that at first, but uh, we had the full blessing of the guys, and so I think it was pretty cool. We don't hurt anyone's feelings. Actually, I just think my my feelings got hurt the most, but um, yeah, so going to uh, just get you guys going into the podcast where me, Jake, and Phil discuss our process leading into the draft, um, the three or four hours of <laughs> prep time we had before I um, determined the draft would start at that night, um, but it was fun, and so we're just going to give you guys a, a peek at our process, what we tried to accomplish during the draft, and being, um, the three of us being like pretty much total newbies into best balls, to so just give a little inside look as to how we were thinking, and you know, what we were going to look to do coming into this draft, and if we accomplished that or not. One thing of note before we get started with that segment with the boys, I just wanted to let you guys know that one of the biggest tools you can use in getting ready for your fantasy baseball season, personally my favorite tool to use is the Baseball Forecaster from Baseball HQ. If you have been on the fence about it or if you have never experienced, I highly suggest you order the book. Um, it's just filled with tons of great knowledge that you can just take with you and not only for this year but going forward it teaches you some good process and good roster construction approaches Um, they really get down into breaking down the trends of the leagues and what's happening um, in the regular statistical world and how we can apply it into fantasy baseball Um, so again highly recommend that from the guys at Baseball HQ, they do a great job setting this up every year. Um, yeah, gr- big, big, big recommend on my part, as well as the process. It's also another great book. Um, this is my first year reading that book, and I realized there's a ton of, ton of great, valuable insights in there that people would benefit from reading. So make sure you pick up these books and dive into them. You know, just ton of. Just ton of great insight from guys who really know how to break down fantasy baseball. So, with that being said, um, let's get into this best ball podcast. All right, fellas, welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. Tonight, I'm sitting here with two of my biggest uh, fans and friends, Mr. Jake Halster, Mr. Phil Dussault. We are going to dive into this best ball draft that we just did. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, awesome. how are you, man? All right. All right. So, um, so yeah, so um, pull, pull hitter best ball, NFBC, best ball league, $150 entry. Um, Phil, you had a big part of getting this kind of format going on to the NFBC. You want to roll us through that real quick and tell the listeners how you pulled that off? Yeah, well, I've I've been sort of talking to Greg about it, saying that the NFBC needs a full best ball format where you just draft and don't have to do anything afterwards. Um, they have the draft champions, but you still have to set the lineups every week, and the uh, the cut line has two fabs. Um, and I know Fantrax has a best ball, so I've been bugging Greg, telling him just do best ball format, same scoring as cut line, and so we can just draft and forget about it. everyone loves to draft. It's been huge for football. So I think it could really work for baseball as well. Um, and then I, I contacted on Twitter and a couple of times earlier this year 
and then I think like a month ago, sent him an email. He said he'd talk about it and uh, with Derek, and then they they got it done within a day. Leagues were up, and uh, it's like let's we won't do an overall because he doesn't know how popular it will be. But let's just do standalone leagues. They have nothing to lose, and I think I think we're we're trying to to push it on people. And I think the the response seems to be pretty good so far. We have like we filled this draft in like 24 hours, I think. So well, yeah. when you when you got an overall champion asking you to join, I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no one can turn down the invite. From Rob. I've never drafted before Thanksgiving before, but. Rob didn't have to convince me too hard. (laughs) I appreciate it. I know a lot of guys jumped in on it pretty quick. Um, We got to pull some arms and legs, but I think it was all worth it. I think uh, it was awesome. It was awesome getting everyone together um, around that time. Same thing for me. I have never drafted that early. It was, uh, no, actually two weeks ago I did a DC, but still these drafts in November, I've never done. Um, this is the earliest I've ever jumped into drafts, um, but it was cool. We got it filled up pretty quick, and I think, Phil, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a popular format, and um, next year I, I definitely anticipate it being popular enough this year that we'll definitely have some um, overall prizes next year um, once they realize what they got in their hands um, with the format. So, uh, yeah, so we got, we got uh, some other drafters um, together to do this um, 12-man draft. Um, but before we head into the draft, I just want to talk about some general um, preseason prep. Um, I wanted to talk about some free agent players. And obviously today there's some news about some guys getting cut and non-tendered. So I just wanted to know how you guys are anticipating um, when you draft this early, any players who are free agents. And, um, you know, how cognizant are you of their situations and what can possibly open up from them leaving their teams for other players to step up and get some playing time. Well, this is one of the main reasons that I don't draft this early. Um, not that I want to discourage it too much, but there, there were quite a few question marks in that regard. And I know one of them, I know it's, it's not a major one, but one of them that just kept sticking out of me was Didi Gregorius as we were going through, because I kept thinking about drafting him for like three rounds because I thought his profile fit really well into this league. And I, I have no idea where the guy's going to end up. But if he, like, if he goes to Anaheim, like, I don't, I don't think I want any part of that, frankly. So you got to be cognizant of it for sure. They're, and more of them are opening up today. I mean, we just, we were just talking before the show, how Schwarber was uh non-tendered. That's a, that's a pretty big one. Um, it, it, it's, it's so hard to, draft guys that have very similar profiles to other players when you don't know what spot in a, in what lineup they're going to be in. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something you have to think about a lot. Yeah. For, for hitters, it's tough. I mean, I agree Wait, for, for starting pitchers. I was in tour because if, if Robbie Ray is getting 8 million and a starting job, you figure that pretty much every other half decent starter, um, that's a free agent is going to get job. Like I wasn't really worried about those guys for hitters. It was for me, it was case by case. Um, Guys like Colton Wong and Cesar Hernandez, I'm not really worried about their playing time because their defense is good enough. But like VR was up there in my ranks. I'm like, ah, he could be hitting lead off for, I don't know, the Tigers or whoever, or he could be hitting seventh or eighth and platooning with some, someone else. So his, his range is probably like 250 to 650 plate appearances. So right. um, I stayed away from guys like that. Um, but mainly the free agents I target were starting pitchers because sometimes they came at a discount. Um, 
but you know they're going to get a job. Like every team's looking for starting pitching. So um, tough, right. toughest, toughest one was for closers, though. There's like nine closers that are free agents um, that could steal the job from someone that we're currently, currently projecting as, as closers. So um, in, in baseball, you don't have to draft closers. It's not as bad. But if you're doing a draft champions right now, figuring out closers is the hardest thing. Um, I don't even know where, like, you can, James Karinczak looks like a closer right now, but you have no idea. And there's probably five or six closers at best that you know are going to have a job. That's about it. Right. Right. Yeah, closers are definitely tough. But I, I know I, I took a couple in this draft, but um, I tried to get guys at least for, you know, that I felt confident weren't going to change their positions. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely tough. I, I was just trying to um, be really – heady of it in the front of the draft. And then at the end, you know, it was just kind of loosening up, as you said, the Colton Wong and, you know, those type of guys that weren't too worried about. Um, but that's a good point that you made with Robbie Ray um, um, about him setting some kind of precedent with his signing and where maybe you think other guys can, uh, you know, be signed for and head to. Um, what about lineup spots? Do you, um, you know, because I was looking at George Bringer, you know, him leaving Houston. Um, who do you guys think takes that leadoff spot in Houston? And is there any other, um, you know, lineup spot that you think anyone is going to jump into or possibly jump into that you're, that you're being wary of? Um, with Houston's probably, I mean, roster resource has Altuve as leadoff and then Tucker hitting second. Um, so usually they just shovel guys up, um, at least in Houston's case. I don't think they're going to spend that much. I think they're just going to shuffle guys up. Um, for for me, other than that, I know in the Toronto lineup, they've been so – there's so many rumors about looking for an infield uh, infield guy. So I think that um, whoever they get, if it's Gene Segura, Colton Wong, um, could be a decent, um, decent place, good park. Probably not hitting in the top of the lineup, but maybe if one of the young guys of PG or – Bichette gets hurt, then Segura or Wong, who's might be hitting seventh or eighth, could move up to the top pretty pretty quickly. So uh, that's one one good lineup where I think there's an open spot that could uh, that could pay off. Yeah, thinking about the Astros, I mean, this is all contingent upon Alvarez being healthy. I mean, right? There, yeah. There's no guarantee that 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 guy's even going to be able to walk come March. <laughs> so they may end up you know, having to put a guy like Miles Straw up there or something like that just to fill the spot because, I mean, they'll, they'll have to – I mean, I guess they can keep Altuve up there, but that dude's not running anymore. Not that they're a, a really big running team, but they might have to become more of a better running team just because of how their offense is starting to fall apart a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Is, they're right. probably going to add some players, some, some like veteran bargains that can, they can get for a million to late yeah. in free agency. Um, sort of filled at the Josh Reddick spot, but. Um, I mean, you, you got Rosario, you got uh, Schwarber out there. They, they got a yeah. big glaring hole in the corner outfield. So one of those guys could slide in there. All right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we know Schwarber can lead off, right? <laughs> yes. We can lead off. <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. I guess that's that's something to look at too, right? You know, you got a guy leaving his, actually, you know, he Hap Hap um let off at the end of this year, right? Yeah, last year. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, last year. This, Sorry, year. this year, this year. 
this year, last year. I'm doing it on your show, too. I still can. <laughs> oh, I thought we had it settled on the last one, too, and I forgot about it. Okay, so now we're moving into this best ball um, draft. Um, I have had – I did one draft. I did a cut line last year, and I did um, – uh, no best balls. Uh, so this was new for me. I didn't really um, anticipate putting a plan together so quick, but um, tell me about how you guys, um, the, the process, what, what's your, what was your process into heading into this draft? Where, um, how did you find, you know, your player values and all that stuff, all that fun stuff? Walk us um, through that. As most people probably know, I have a system that I use. Um, so <laughs> for me, it was just converting the system into points, um, right. which in the NFBC is pretty easy to do. Because um, the I know Fantrax has points for, for, for walks and things and quality starts and things like that. In NFBC, it's basically just five, the five categories converted into points. Um, so it makes it really easy to convert your your normal values into, into best ball. Um, the only difference is stolen bases aren't worth as much and saves aren't worth as much. So uh, you can adjust pretty easily. Uh, the toughest thing was just projecting playing time this early because right. we're just guessing. I, I, I looked at Steamer. I looked at uh, a couple other projections that are out there, averaged them, and then made manual adjustments. Uh, but usually my system uses more, more information than that, so uh, which I can do drafting this early. So it's the toughest thing where even guys are projecting for playing time. You don't know what's going to happen. So you sort of, you just guess and hope. Yeah. I, unlike Phil, do not use a lot of projections. Mainly the, the projections I use are, uh, you know, looking at steamer and ACC closer to the season as I look at outliers and I, I kind of gauge what I'm missing on guys or, or, you know, I can kind of see where I value guys that I might be able to gain a little bit of profit from them. But um, Phil also mentioned the big thing for me was, devaluing relievers not not that they're not worth anything it's more along the lines of their reliability is so much uh, weaker than that of the majority of starters in terms of their role secure or their job security um, it's not like a roto league where you absolutely have to have saves to compete in a category saves are still worth something but you know it's just points everything everything is a point system so a save is worth, what was it, five points? I don't remember, honestly, because I kind of pushed relievers pretty far down my board once I saw that it was different or, or that it was not worth as much of, as a win. Yeah, and, when the wins are six and saves yeah. are eight. Okay, sorry. Um, but, but there's points for innings pitched, so really right. pitch at 60 innings is, is a big uh, – there's a big difference between that and the start. There you go. 150. So, you know, when, when we are just coming off a season where half the closers – you know, had their, had their jobs gone within a month and a half, I'm not going to be spending pretty high picks on relievers when there's a plethora of starters that I like in, in most ranges. And I, I tended to, um, tended to go along the lines of drafting extra starters more so than I even would in a normal Roto league, just because of, um, how there are nine pitching slots and, you know, maximizing my two starts and, and uh, trying to get as many good starts out of the, uh, the stable that I have was, was something that I was going for and steals, you know, I didn't push any, any steals guys up just because of 
that category. Normally I would take Trey Turner where I was at four probably, uh, but I did not in this league just because of wanting a more uh, well-rounded uh, player in terms of power and RBI and things like that. So those, those are, yeah, kind of as Phil mentioned, devaluing saves and steals a little bit. Um, that was kind of one of my main focuses with this. And I, I've never done a best ball for baseball before. Uh, this was totally new for me. So I don't know if I'm doing it the right way at all. What I, what I do like about the format is like someone like Jake's who's been like Jake, who's been playing Roto for what, 10, 15 years, you can mm -hmm. sort of jump in this format and not be too confused and too lost because it's Roto. You just devalue steals and, and stolen uh, and steals and saves. And you can draft a pretty good team that way. Um, unlike other where you have to adjust for walks, have to adjust for a bunch of other things like this. It's um, Todd Zola came up with, with the, with the scoring system. It's meant to represent Roto. So that, that it, like anyone who's always done Roto and is scared of the best ball points league, you can jump in and draft pretty much like you would normally, and you're going to do all right. Yeah, that was the, the not having walks count for anything was was pretty big. And it, it, it definitely lightened a lot of my load because I don't play OBP leagues either. So I was thinking I was going to have to revamp a lot of what I looked at. But it really it, it that made it a lot easier. Right. Just as you said. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I know, Jake, you mentioned that you, you know, were rostering some more pitchers than usual. There was a point where you had more pitchers than anyone. It was pretty early in the draft. A couple of points, yeah. Yeah, it was a couple of points in the draft. And um, then Phil charged ahead. And I think I think you ended up with the most pitchers, Phil. Yeah, because I, I, I opened my drafts with pitchers. <laughs> yeah. Phil, yeah. Phil has his ways. I kind of knew how he was going to finish his back <laughs> end of the draft. So I was taking him earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to compete with him for the likes of Kyle Freeland at the end. So yeah, I know, right? It's a it's it's a big scramble at the end for all these. You know, yeah, there's like guys five that have jobs in the last ten rounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got Porcello. You know, like a, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah, those are big. Those are big wins. They're like mini wins in your head. Like like there was a couple <laughs> times. Like there were a couple times that we were talking right in the DMs, and we're like. Feel you like I got one guy left in my queue. Like <laughs> I, I don't want anyone right now. Who's it trying? was Alex Cobb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's um that's something. You know those. Hey, but you know what? Those pitchers are gonna they're gonna help us. They're gonna help us win somehow, right? Yeah, I'm still getting in your lineup at least once, probably. As opposed to as opposed to a DC when you take a, a setup man that's like third in line for saves in round 48 and they never see the light of day. So right. you know, at least most of the guys that we drafted in this league, we have some hopes of them getting into our lineup at some point, which, which is interesting. It's more fun. I think the back end in this was a little bit more fun than a DC in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, yeah. for me, like even Rick Porcello, who's not like, he's not a great pitcher, but if he makes 25 to 30 starts, he's going to win five, six, seven games. Yeah. And those wins are worth six points. And he's going to get in my lineup that week. And he, he's going to have to some, some two-start weeks as well where he might get 10 strikeouts. And he might, as long as he doesn't give up 10 earned runs in, in six or seven innings, he's going to get in my lineup. So um, that was sort of the goal, just getting guys who, who, are, who I think are going to pitch and hope, uh, hope that they get in the lineup at, at some point. Right. 
Right. And uh, Jake, I think that's a, that's a good point that you made too with, you know, it's um that back end. It's a, it's cool that just knowing that these guys are going to get in a little bit and give you something. Um, and it's cool. The whole best ball, you know, idea, right. You know, could have, could have good week, get bad weeks and, you know, it's just optimal scoring. You know, you, you, you don't have to make any moves. You're so that team that you draft that, the whole, you know, prospecting that you do for these guys, um, they, they can all play a part, you know? Um, yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about starting Austin Voth and having him <laughs> explode my ratios and yeah. pop in there whenever. What did you guys find when you were evaluating multi-eligible players? Did you find that they were worth any more or less than um, in, in usual drafts? I, I think it's been pretty well covered already that there's a just, they're so plentiful this year just because of, uh, you know, a lot of absences due to whatever malady that guys were, were having last year. So people were playing a lot of different positions. My dog just came into the office, so I hope he doesn't start barking at something. But um, I, there's, there's so many of them. So it was easy to draft them early on. And then it seemed like they dried up drastically halfway through. Uh, now in a best ball, where, where guys are just kind of filtering in and out of your lineup, I, I feel like they're pretty valuable to have, especially guys that can cover three, four positions. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they can get into your lineup. Um, not that I really pushed them up that much just because there were so many and they were all seemed to kind of go in the same area and then they were gone halfway through the draft. But I definitely took note of guys that could be both my middle and my corner. That's a big one for me. Because that, I mean, that that fits them into at least four different positions in your lineup at some point. Yeah, for me, like I told Rob before, you sort of, I, I sort of treated them like a category in Roto where you have to get two or three of them, but you don't want to get more than that because after that, there's no point. Um, I don't think they're as, as, as valuable as in a main or in a DC um, just because in those – in a main or in a DC, having multi-position guys allows you to have fewer hitters on your bench. Um, in a main, if you have enough guys who can play more positions, you can get away with having just two hitters on the bench, and you can cover all positions pretty much. In the best ball, if you do that, um, having two guys competing for the same spot every week, um, like if you have um, – I don't know, like Joey Votto, or if at some point in, in the in the season you're down to say Joey Votto or Yuli Gurriel at first base, two guys I drafted late if if my top guys get hurt. If you're down to those guys, um, it's useful to have both guys um, because the combination of the two is going to be a much better player than just one guy individually. So sacrificing hitters, your your depth in hitting because you have guys who can play more positions, isn't going to be helpful. So. Um, it doesn't help you that way. It allows you to move like your optimal lineups can be a little bit, bit better every week, but it's not that much of a difference with middle and field spots, corner and field um, with the UT spot. Um, so I tried to get two or three of them, but I, like Jake said, I think pushing them up is, is a mistake. Um, I think if you just use your normal values, you sort of stumble up on two or three or four of them yeah. and then you're happy with those. Yeah, and I'm looking at my roster I drafted. I, I don't think I took anybody that was middle and corner eligible. Other than Oh, no, I got Willie Castro. I think he's the only one. So I didn't follow my own advice there. But, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I made them uh, 
I, I don't think I made myself jump any offensive players because right, of right. Could you not? You know, at any point, you're not going to jump them over a guy who's just t- better at one, you know, one position, yeah. right? That's the way I was looking at it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to just value a guy over another guy when he played one one position. Yeah, but he's just better overall, you know, mm-hmm. as a player. Yeah, I mean, it, in like in some people say you use multi position as a tiebreaker. In this case, I think it's true. In in a main, I'll actually push up the multi position guys because I think that they add some value. I'll allow you to. Um, keep more bench spots for, for starters or relievers, like I said. But in this, I think it's truly a tiebreaker. Cool. Gotcha. All right. So, um, KDS, um, do you guys have a specific preference heading into this? or um, And if you did, did you get it? And did you follow through on uh, your visions for that KDS slot? I kind of threw it together in, I don't know, 20 minutes because you said that the draft was getting close to full. And I said, all right, I better get into it. And I was at, I was at school and I had like 10 minutes left in my lunch break. So um, I ruined so everyone's day. Not, okay. <laughs> not the optimal way to, to go into a $150 league, but you know, it's not a main event. So I, I, it, Dave makes fun of me because I like to wing things pretty, pretty much all the time. So. Um, I did you're doing five while you're playing softball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do my best work in the dugout. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he, he's turning that into a double entendre. I did not mean it to go that way. Cheers to that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I ended up getting my second preference and I don't know if it was the right choice. I, I kind of liked where I was. I ended up at fourth, and I, I, I didn't want to draft on the extremes in this. I, I'd never done one of these leagues before. This was my first time looking at the player pool extensively, so I didn't want to kind of pigeonhole myself on one of the wheels. So I ended up at the fourth spot. I, I had three and four first, and then I went down to nine and ten. So I kind of had almost to the extremes, but kind of a little bit more towards the middles. Then I had the middle picks and then I had the extremes at the end. So I liked being at four because it, it didn't, it's a 12 team league. So it didn't allow me to get caught up in any major runs. Not, not that it seemed like there were a ton of major runs in this one, other than starters in the beginning, but I don't know. I liked being there. Like it, it, it allowed me to get well-rounded players and then still get some, some higher end starters, not the true elites, but, uh, kind of some second tier guys and third tier guys. I got I got my first choice. It was pick five. Um, for me, five was the sweet spot in, in my rankings, where in the first round I could get uh, either Cole or Soto, which were I got Cole in this case, but Soto I would have been fine with. Someone right in front of me named Jake took uh, took Soto. And some then, other Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And Did then, we mention that we were four, five, six in this? Yeah, so we were four. There. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I know. I remember seeing the list, and I'm like, "Damn!" I'm like, "It's gonna suck." Like, just the I, one, I the one way. I next to Phil. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. For me, five of the sweet spot because in the second round, there's um, for me, there's a big drop after Harper, Giolito, and Machado. There were the three guys I sort of targeting in the second round, and they went on uh, team seven, team six, and I got Machado as team five. And then after that, um, there's it's down to like the next guys, Jake Duke Bichette, Ben LeMahieu, Bueller, Bregman, Flaherty, uh, Flaherty, sorry. 
Seeger, um, I think there's a big drop between Machado and those guys. So I sort of wanted that. That, uh, I guess it's the 20th pick. There's 20 guys I like to honor two of them. Um, so if it wasn't five, I would have been fine with anything later in the draft just so I could get two, two of those top 20 guys. Yeah. Um, um, the only thing I regret about my spot is that in that third round, you know, I had to be behind you for JTR. <laughs> and, like, it sucked because when you're drafting and, you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, well, like, uh, it was actually a thought for me to take JTR over Giolito, who I took in the second round, because I knew I wasn't going to get him. You know, yeah. like, it's it, – because I knew if anyone else wasn't going to take him, you were definitely taking him there. So I'm like, oh, do I take him in the second round? Like, I really wanted him in my – you know, where where I had him ranked versus other catchers was – like, I wouldn't have minded taking him there, but um, I knew I wasn't going to get him back. I, I wanted Giolito in the second round if uh, – <laughs> so <laughs> – I think I would have been happy with you taking JTR there just to get Giolito. Um, yeah, I know. We're kind of like Team Gio in that in, yeah. in, uh, in the group chat with uh, Jake and Dave. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was like, I knew it was like either one of those guys I had to take at that spot. Um, all right, so we'll cover the KDS. Um, there we go. Let's talk about the roster construction approach. Um, you know, batters to pitchers, the split. Um, and you're also your positional breakdowns. Um, what was your goal coming into the draft for um, each spot? What did you want to have um, in terms of number of players at each spot? I sort of wanted to go 23-23 when I started. I always like to have more pitchers um, just because they get hurt more often. So you know it's for only nine spots. I like to have usually as many pitchers as, as hitters, at least in a DC. That's how I usually draft. Um, and this – as I was going on in the draft, I sort of felt a little bit short in the hitting, especially in the outfield. I sort of ran out of guys I liked. And um, so I ran out of guys I liked earlier. Um, so I didn't like my outfield that this much. So I ended up sort of getting a few more, ended up with 25 hitters and 21 pitchers. Um, I don't know if it's good or not. I have no idea since I've never done that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it just felt right, but I have no idea what, what it's going to work out to. Right. I, 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 felt, I felt the same way, you know, uh, going back and forth in my head. And like you said, I just had no idea what was the right thing to do. Um, you know, uh, there's really no data that we could go back to and kind of dig into. And um, I ended up with a 28-18 split. I don't think I was trying for that as well. I think for some reason in my head, once I picked DeGrom and Giolito, I was kind of just a little uh, – I felt, I guess, a little more secure with not having to roster some extra pitches. And what about you, Jake? What was your uh, what was your split? Well, mine uh, – yeah, I had a 28-18 uh, just like you. I had 18 pitchers. Um, only one of them was a reliever. I only have – uh, one Alex Calame, and that was in round 24. That's the only reliever that I took. I kind of, I, I had a feeling how I knew Phil was going to go at this early on. I kind of, since we were next to each other, I wanted to be aware. And I, I had a feeling it was going to be a lot of late starters for him. So I was kind of trying to load up on as many starters as I could early without hurting my offensive output too much because I, I still like a lot of late hitters. And I feel like I'm better at identifying late, uh, late hitter darts than, than pitchers, uh, at least in the last couple of years. 
So I was pretty heavy on the starters early on. I had six through round 11, which is probably more than I've ever drafted in any league in recent memory, just because relievers are so devalued in this one. Um, so I loaded up on a lot of starters and tried to maximize as many guys that I knew had clear defined roles as I could. And then making sure I had uh, backups for every position. I wanted to make sure I had at least four catchers um, cause I've been burned by catchers too many times and drafted holds and things like that. So, right. and I might even have a fifth if, if Luis Camposano gains eligibility there. So I could have a fifth catcher. Not that that might be a little overkill, but you know, they're catchers never all hit. So I've, I've been burned too bad by that in the past to, to let that one hurt me here. Um, yeah, yeah, I, so yeah, I was I, I thought I was a little short on outfielders as I was going, and then I was able to grab a few at the end that I still liked. So I think I, I kind of liked the way it worked out. I, I'm, I've never been able to draft a league before like this where relievers were so devalued that I didn't have to worry about them as much. It was actually kind of fun to not have to push relievers up just because I needed saves. Right. It's weird because like I'm used to, we're used to doing DCs, which are 15 teams, 50 rounds. And so when you're doing 46 rounds with 12 teams, so okay, it's going to be, it's not going to be as deep. You're going to find regular players late in the draft. Yeah. But since no one's drafting relievers, um, right. It's the, the starters were tough to find the end of the it draft. Like, drive I, up. Yeah. like in round 45 of a DC, I can still get those Porcello, Cobb and guys like that. I think at least, or you can get guys who are probably going to have a starting job. But in this, I was, I was scrambling. It was pretty much like, like I do in, in, I was expecting expecting it to be easier than than in round forty five of the DC, but it wasn't. It was just because the relievers don't they don't get drafted because there's no point. Jeez, thanks, Phil. Yeah, that was that was really interesting. <laughs> just not seeing like random reliever names go off the off the board in rounds thirty five to forty six was yeah. it, it was interesting. For right. Sure. I mean, right. the, the closers totally... are worth drafting. I mean, I got a few of them. Yeah, um, you did. Yeah, you got Melanson pretty late. I got late. Melanson and Hunter Harvey late because yeah. I think he might be the closer. But, like, Hunter Harvey's probably going 10, 15 rounds earlier than that in, in a D.C. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I mean, at that point, we're, we're sort of speculating. Cause the thing with closers is if they get the job for – you don't have to guess when they have the job. Um, you get their points automatically. So – if they just get one save because they're splitting the job with someone else, they can get in your lineup that week or yep. they get two or three saves. So um, they do have value there, but if they're not getting any saves, they're useless. So uh, it's sort of a um, high risk, high reward play um, where they, and even if like, yeah, they can be in your lineup for three, four weeks in the year and have big weeks with, with two saves and yeah, that's why I don't take too much umbrage with what you did, Rob, because at least you drafted guys that you know are going to have jobs. Like yeah. it, it's the guys that are drafting presumed closers in round, you know, 14, 13, that, and hell, even nine and eight in this league, there was presumed closers going. So it's that's the stuff that just makes you scratch your head. We're going to yeah. get those picks later. For our <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> that, that's the tease for you. Yeah, that, that's the tease for you. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I was. I felt like I wanted to get in on the relievers if everyone was going to push him down. And like you said, I just tried to. You know, I I ended up put Liam Hendrick, Chapman, and in in round seven and eight, and then Taylor Rogers in round fifteen. Um, just like, and when I took them too, they were just I had them projected for 
just as many points as, you know, the guys that were going around them. So I, you know, to me, it didn't make a difference um, if the saves were devalued, if they're, you know, if they're looking to get around the same amount of points, I'm feeling good about that, you know, those picks. And I feel good about the, you know, the possibility of them having a couple of weeks where, you know, they'll give you, two saves even possibly yeah. three but even two like two two innings a couple strikeouts and two saves is is well I think in the mid-20s and points wise and um I felt like those the starters around those points you know were definitely um solid but I don't know I I I like the skill set I like their their jobs and like I said when when I'm looking at this a similar range of points um to me it doesn't matter if you know, the seeds were devalued, you know, like the guys. Oh, saying. I mean, you can, you can expect Chapman to be in your lineup more often than not. Right. Right. That's what, yeah. He's going to have his, his share of saves for sure. And you know, you're going to get two or three of them in, in a number of weeks. So I got no problem with that. They're hard to value. Cause if you're using say steam of projections and you get a closer who's projected for 500 points in a year and you look at the starters, okay, look, this starter's is going to the same point and it's going to get me 600 points, 100 more. But those 500 points from Chapman are probably going to be a lot more condensed than the um, – because in his projection is baked in the odds of losing in the job. But if he – if or getting hurt or whatever. Right. Uh, but if he gets hurt for two months and he gets 450 points in those four months, he's as valuable, if not more valuable, than the starter. So it's mm-hmm. a tough balance where you can't just use projection projections like I usually do. So I, I had a tough time valuing closes and um, – I it, I have no idea. I've never done these. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it was just yeah. It was just easier to just say you know I'm just gonna get as many starters as I can. Yeah. For me. Right. Absolutely. We'll see um, how it goes. Yeah. Exactly. We're gonna see how it goes. You know, like you said, it's we don't know. Like I don't know. I've never played in this type of format and. Why are we doing this pod then? We don't know anything. ADP. Yeah, we're giving <laughs> people. <laughs> people desire content. <laughs> yeah. They want to know about you the best ball. don't know what they're doing. The, 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 you know. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do the first one, man. Yeah. <laughs> the inaugural uh, NFC, you know, 150 best ball league. Which I thought it was pretty cool, you know. Um, and definitely, uh, I know a couple times we, we were talking about looking at ADP as we were going along. And we were like, what's ADP? You know, it's just, yeah. it was. Because oh, it did, it didn't matter in this league in a lot of areas. It did uh, not matter. Yeah, absolutely. There was, you know, I was looking at the, uh, looking at the DC um, ADP, and then it was just even just looking at the overall of all the drafts, and I was just like, just trying to see if there was any kind of commonality. Then it was nothing, nothing at all, you know. And then that's why we was like, we're making ADP. And that's yeah. Ex- that's exactly. It's uh, fun. Yeah. It's fun. So let's let's walk through the you know. First it's only one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, sure. You know, I've made more expensive. When you when you're getting thirty thousand dollar checks every year. <laughs> oh God! All right, so let's go through the first couple of rounds. We'll talk about our picks. Um, uh, I say, Jake. All right, so you had the fourth pick. You went Soto. Um, that that was your guy at that spot, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I would have taken bets probably, but okay. I just. I mean, I I love Soto's hitting profile. I love his eye. I love his projectable average. Um, I, you know, in a points league, in a league where I want 
my first hitters to be as consistent as possible. I, I thought there was pretty much, unless I was going to draft a starter, there was no better way for me to go. Like I said, if, if in a normal Roto league, I probably would have gone Turner there instead of Soto. But in this kind of league, I, I just, that stability for me was just so key. The, the fact that he's one of the few guys in the league that you can expect to hit 300 at this day and age, um, plus the, uh, the possibility of him hitting, you know, I'm, I'm going to rag on Dave. I think Phil, Phil, was, Phil was joking about Dave was projecting him to, to hit 350 this year. But, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that yeah. he hit 330, 340, 350. I, I, the, if there's anybody in the league that can do it with regularity, it, I think it's him. So I, he's showing that he's running a little bit more. Not that steals are super important in this, but they're gravy. You know, if he's going to hit me 35, drive in 110, and hit 325 – you know, I, I, I love having him in my fourth, uh, in the fourth slot. Nice. And Phil, you followed it up at number five with Garrett Cole. Yeah. Cole's my number one overall player in basketball. He's my number one overall in, in Roto. Um, I'm, if I'm doing a main in March and I get the first pick, it's going to be Cole. So, um, bam, I think he, I'm calling it right now. Beware. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone just, everyone just put that in their March calendar. Who's playing the main field, taking cold number one. (laughs) I mean, you, you can expect him to be in your lineup, what, like 23 out of 27 weeks at the very minimum, right? Probably. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's, I mean, he's safe. He has, he's, I mean, I know there was this, uh, this recent talk about arm injuries like three, four years ago, but, um, He's been consistently healthy the past few years. He's on a great team. Um, he's going to get wins. He's going to get good ERA strikeouts. So yep. I think that's, especially in today's game, where, where starters are harder to find uh, once you're past round 10, 15. Um, my, I mean, my, I think Cole's the, for me, is the obvious one overall pick. Nice. Yeah, I agree with that. I- Obviously, if he would have, if you weren't drafted in front of me and he was there, I would definitely took him. I ended up going with the ground right after you took Cole. Um, I know, uh, you know, we we talk about the injury possibilities, and um, I tend to think that they're not really anything that's going to make him make significant time. Um, I know he's 33 also, uh, but I also like to look at the fact that he doesn't really have a ton of mileage, got a late start in his pitching career, and he's a little bit of a homer pick, obviously. I'm a Mets fan, but um, I didn't really – I wanted to get a pitcher, and I didn't really uh, – I wouldn't consider Bieber there um, or Bauer or anyone for that matter. So um, it was either Jake or Cole. I had them pretty close in, in, in ranks, but Cole, you know, slightly ahead. And so I was definitely happy to land Mr. DeGrom there. Um, and then on the way back, let's see, it went Shane Bieber after that, Trout, Turner, Yelich, Bauer in the 11, uh, with the 11th pick. How do you guys feel about that pick? Too early? I think it's fine. You think it's fine? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm one who usually pushes starters up, and Bauer is one of my top three or four, depending on like with the Grom. The I probably want to see him pitching in spring training and be fine before I draft him. So I probably won't draft him if I'm doing another draft right now. But if he's in spring looking good, then I have no problem taking him taking him in a main at that point. Um, so Bauer's in in my top three for for now. So um, I like him there. 
Um, he's he gets to choose his team. I think he's gonna if he goes to the Mets um, with the good park. I think he's he he's gonna be really close to Bieber for for me for for the number two pitcher. Um, so I'm I'm totally fine with them there. Yeah, I have no argument here. Um, I, if if I was at the back end, like my, I think my third and fourth choices were nine and ten. I probably would have gone with Bauer myself um, right. with with how it fell. Um, I still have Bieber ahead of him, unless we get word that he's on a team that's going to let him throw every fourth day. If, or if if that's the case, then he vaults up there. But yeah, right. I have no problem with Bauer. I I believed in Bauer in eighteen and nineteen. I got burned by him in nineteen, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm back on board with that. I, the, the guy's highly skilled. I, I And like you said, Phil, he's going to be able to pick his team. He's going to go to a situation that benefits him first and foremost. So I got no problem with him there. It's a little bit of like, um, you know, drafting a 12 team. I guess I've been so trained like lately for the 15. So, you know, when you're drafting, it's like, oh, man, like Ramirez and Story, like all in the yeah. second round, you know, you realize it's like just an extension of the first. Um, in right. some ways, you know, so that but, was exactly my thought process, right? Yeah, because I knew I was going to get a J Ram or a story, or uh, um, well, not that I'm super high on Bellinger, but if I had to fall back on that, I wouldn't be terribly distraught about it. So, right, I totally agree, totally agree. So, yeah, so wrapped around, um, ended with Freeman and Lindor on the wheel, um, came back J Ram, story, Darvish, Bellinger, Bryce Harper, and then. I came back and I went with uh, Mr. Giolito. Did their little pocket aces there. Um, I think, like I was telling you guys, came down for Giolito, Real Muto um, in that spot um, because I knew if I wanted JTR, I was going to have to take him at that spot. Um, so happy with Gio. Uh, I see, I see a ton of growth in him. I see his. I just like. I'm really stuck on the zone contact and his just his ability in the zone to just dominate batters um really it really gets me grabbed me and i think it shoots its value really up there um so i was happy to start off with the little degrom giolito action and then it came back to you phil and you picked i picked manny machado as i said earlier he was the last one i was hoping for giolito i'm fine with machado um for me he was the last one of that that group um don't mean you do I'm you think fine. Machado has um has has more? Do you think he has another level, or do you think this is this is the, the, the biggest thing for him is are are the steals. You don't know if he's going to keep stealing like he did last year. Right. Um, I have him as a two seventy hitter with thirty six home runs and ten steals. So if he if he does that with and and that lineup's good. So um, in and a standard roto, I'm not too worried about runs and RBIs because I feel you can get those in fab pretty easily by maximizing playing time. Um, but in best ball, those those points being in a, in a good lineup is worth uh, is worth more than I think in a standard roto. So that's why I sort of liked him there as, as the last of that um, of that top group. Um, but I mean, I'm not particularly high on Machado. It just I just didn't like the guys after that. So um, right. And then Jake, um, right after Jake, uh, Phil went with Machado. He went with Mr. Bo Bichette. And for me, it was it was a debate because I I wanted to make sure I got 
Uh, I, I was hoping to get Flaherty and I didn't want to take him there because I also was hoping to get one of the higher end shortstops because I do think, and they, they tend to fall off a, a little bit of a cliff after you get to Bogarts and Timmy A. And I chanced getting Flaherty back in the third round and I went with Bichette there because I do like Bichette a lot. Um, we're, we're not, we're not huge injury risk guys on our, uh, on the Rotosaurus pod, but uh, I was, I'm willing to look the other way with Bochette this last year. Um, Cause I do like the profile a lot. And I do, I mean, he's, you know, he's locked into his spot in the lineup and it's just a guy that I, I, I love the, I love the zone contact percentage. I love the barrel rate. I love the launch angle. There's a lot of good things I like about the guy. So I'm, I don't know. I'm I, not that I'm second guessing. I probably could have waited and just jumped Flaherty up a little bit and, and, and fell back on uh, Bogarts or Tim Anderson in the third round, which as I look at it now, that's probably what I think I would do in retrospect. Um, the Bogarts went before but, your, your third. Yeah. Your next Bogarts went before mine. I could, I could have grabbed Anderson. Um, yeah. You know, but, I like Bichette though. So I'm, I'm not going to beat myself up too bad about that one. No, I wouldn't either. And, you know, you, you did end up on your – in your third round, coming back to you, you ended up with Castillo. Um, do you – do you? is there a big difference for you and Castillo and Flaherty? I, I – you know, I, I have a lot of love for Castillo from 2019. He was a guy that I got, got in on a little bit post-hype after that 18 disappointment, and he won me – helped win me a lot of money in 19. So I, I like him, but I still am – I'm bumping him down a hair. Just, I, I still don't trust his control. I, I, I don't value him as highly as everybody else. Uh, so I, I would have rather had Flaherty there. Um, so I'm fine with it because I knew I was going to end up backing him up with more starters. So in a league like this, I was okay with taking the gamble I took with Bichette and letting Flaherty go and seeing if he came back. Because I knew I was going to back Castillo up in this one, so it wasn't going to be as bad. Right. And what about some of the picks before um, that pick, um, like DJ Lemayhu? What do you guys think about his? Um, you guys think he's signing in New York? I mean, I think that played a ton of into his, you know, into his value right now. Absolutely. I mean, his right? power hangs so much on being in that park. So. I, I mean, yeah, that's a tough pick for me. Like at the end of the second of a twelve-man team uh, league. If we um, know, like, it goes back to our earlier conversation about knowing where these guys are going. If we know Lemay who's going there, I, I don't see too much wrong with that because he's pretty, pretty uh, eligible at multiple positions. He's right. super solid hitting profile. You know, he's going to hit for power in that park. So, it's a, it's not a guy that I'm targeting there, mm-hmm. but I have I can't argue too much against it. Um, if we know he's in Yankee Stadium, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, Phil, I, I'm not a big yeah. guy. At that, um, actually, I will. I, I, at I, all, I like anyone yeah. in the late second or early third. So, if okay. if I was picking, that, I have no idea what I would have what I would have done. Probably pushed up, maybe Eloy, who I kind of like. But um, at that point, I'm probably pushing up guys. I don't know. Yeah, seems, a, they all just seem risky. Yeah, like, there's a lot of guys in there that were pretty tough. Yeah. Like Bichette, Seeger, sort of injury risks, 
Bregman, we have no idea. Um, Bogarts is fine, but it seems early for him. Um, if he runs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm probably pushing up JTR. Yeah. That's, I mean, JTR is my, who I got in third round, is my, at least in best ball, he's my 14th player overall, so. Yeah, I, I have him at 15. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's why I like I was saying I was considering taking him in that second round, especially because I knew I wasn't going to get him. So, um, yeah, I think I love that pick right there. I think he just set the – he's so far ahead of the other catchers to me, you know, in that in that respect. Where do you think he ends up this year? Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Mets. I or mean, think not hope. <laughs> no, I, I really, I really think so. I mean, I think, I think that's where he's gonna end up. It's, uh, it's a nice fit, man. Yeah, I, you know, they haven't had that up the middle. Um, you know, I think that could be their focus, and whether Rosario is, you know, is the guy and he gets better, but it, it, it needs to start up the middle. You know, and don't worry about the where he's going to be in four years for now. Just bring him in, let him catch for two years, and don't worry about it. You know, and then I just think it's a it's it's the perfect storm of uh, the Mets gaining the new GM and um, the Phillies reporting uh, an eight billion dollar loan. No, what was it? A two billion dollar two, two billion dollar? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. So yeah, more than the franchise is worth. That's what they lost this year. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's really, it's real. Yeah. When you read those words, you're like, all right. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're totally in touch with reality. Yeah. <laughs> but I think anywhere that JTR is like mentioned to go, it's, the Jays it's, would be a great fit too. Oh yeah. Right. They've been looking for a catch for a while. Danny Jansen's not doing anything, and Reese McGuire is not doing too much on on the baseball field. <laughs> um, hey. hey. <laughs> what about Kirk? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, in that lineup, JTR would fit perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right around Vlad and the Oscar. Um, and they can use him in the DH spot because they don't have a great DH either. So, um, I yeah, he'd be great there. Mets as well. Um, Jays would be better for the park, but Mets would be fine as well. Right. Either way, I, I think it. I think he, he's a great value in the late second, early third. Yeah, right. he's still he's still above every other catcher offensively, pretty much wherever he goes. Yeah, I think so. Yep, very well said, um, Jake. F, I mean, uh, Phil, after your JT pick, I went with Mr. Kyle Tucker. Uh, you know, I got a little bit of a love fest for Tucker so far in this preseason. I actually think he's going to be the guy to step into the leadoff hole. Um, just, I don't know. Just think like it's one of those situations where they're going to want to get him up as much as they can whether it's in a one or two spot um i think it's going to be one or the other for sure um i had him um it's funny because i i i i had him a little lower in my ranks than where i ended up taking him but again it's the guy i wanted and uh, i just think that the floor for him is pretty solid and i think that the upside for him is pretty pretty legit um to be with one of those league winning picks right there. So um, I went with my guy Tucker there. Um, and knowing if that. I, if I didn't need a starter in the third round, I would have gone Tucker. Yeah. I I didn't want to get totally shut out on starters. So, I, right. you know, I, I love, I'm starting to love Tucker more and more every time I look at him. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. If I, I have a lot of shares of him so far in the early going because I, I honestly only think he's going to go up in value um, in, in, in the ADP. Um, so that was our, our picks from round three. Uh, after that, ended up with uh, Nola, Albies, Osuna, Jimenez, Timmy Anderson, and Rendon to cap the third. Any picks over there that kind of stuck out to you as being, um, you know, anyway, good, bad? Um, like I said, I like Eloy there. Um, I okay. and he's probably the guy I'd be pushing up um, along with JTR in the in the late second, early third. Um, I mean, if if in March I'm starting a main with with uh, Cole at first, JTR and Eloy, I, I'd be happy with that. Um, mm. Nice, interesting. I still don't understand why Elby's is as high as he is. Um, I. Even in, a, especially in a in a league like this, like, dude hasn't run even close to his potential yet. I don't know if it's ever going to come. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I, I know second base is kind of. I don't know. They're kind of bunched together at the top, but it's it's not a guy that I'm looking to start off my team with. Yeah. And if, if in in this format where runs and RBIs are worth more, if if your third right. round pick is hitting sixth, fifth, yeah. sixth or seventh yeah. in the lineup, um, it, it's not great for that. Yeah, I I I, I toss and turn uh, back and forth about Albies. I, I I didn't I didn't have him ranked that high in this league for sure. Um, are we but, gonna call out who made that pick? <laughs> who was it? That was Derek, right? Derek, yeah. Derek Rhodes with the uh, with the Albies pick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's it that I guess people look at the 700 plate appearances, right? The back-to-back years or close to it, and I guess there's tension on 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 the volume that he may be able to, you know, amass in you know maybe at the top of the Brave lineup. Um, yeah, because I think for a while he was going back and forth with Dansby Swanson and for for that number two spot. I think Dansby took that over. Right. So right. I mean, if Albies is hitting second in that lineup, then great. But I'm not not convinced he will. So, yeah, um, yeah. Right. Because when he came back from his injury, he just seemed like he was definitely uh, a lot more, you know, sharper on the ball. So, um, you know, maybe that's what led him to, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I think it, it's it, it's one of those cases where everyone wants him to be at the top, but he's not right. firmly there. So yeah. there is some risk, you know. Obviously, yeah. As as you alluded to, Phil, they they the Braves are are certainly fine with shuffling their lineup around based on who's performing. They, yeah, they're not beholden to putting anyone in any spot. So other than Freeman third, they'll, they'll do whatever they want. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I still, I don't see Albies, as long as Swanson is healthy, I don't see Albies hitting above fifth in that lineup. It's tough. Right. Um, okay. So coming back to start the fourth round, Chris Shaw, Gallon. Devers, Arenado, Abreu, Mondesi, and come back to me. And I went with my boy Wit. Um, I'll, you know, again, dual, dual eligibility. Um, and I just love this guy's profile. You know, he just, I don't, I kind of was looking at, you know, the best ball. Um, I know when I first started playing it in, in, in football, you know, like it was like, oh, because now you don't have to, you know, start. Deshaun Jackson on the weeks he's uh you know everyone was like so drawn into those big home run um 
like big play type of guys because you can amass their greatest weeks and, you know, not start them on the weeks where they don't do shit. But so I was looking at for like just consistency guys to put that, like I was trying to aim for guys who put the bat on the ball pretty solidly and or like won't be prone to slump so I can get like consistent points every week. So it was like my biggest draw with Merrifield um, with the dual eligibility as well. And just think that, um, He's one of those guys where he, he, he's not sexy at all, but he just, you know, at the end of the year, he, he just gets the job done, you know? Yeah, I, I love Witt. Um, another guy that was really good to me in 19. I, I just love the fact that that dude never takes a day off. Right. Uh, he's always at the top of that lineup. He's, he's amassing the ABs. Um, and, yeah, second base is not a good position, so having him – Having him there definitely gives you a nice, uh, nice comfort blanket. Um, I, I just like the fact that that dude plays all the time. He is never taking a day off. Right. Yeah. Definitely a big draw. Phil, you got a uh, who would you pick after Wit? I went with uh, Luis Robert. Um, I just it probably not as I probably like him better in Roto because uh, the steals are more valuable there. But I think – I just think he has so much power. Um, I think that average last year was worse than it should have been the case. I think he's going to figure that out. I think it's just – I mean, he's a young kid in first season. There is an adjustment to be made, but I think he's so talented. He's been in a great lineup. Um, it, it's sort of weird that <laughs> I criticize the Albies pick. He's going to be hitting lower in the lineup. Robert is probably going to start lower in the lineup as well. Um, but I think he's so talented that he can move up pretty quickly. Um, I, yeah, I, I like him better in Roto and Roto. I'd be happy with him in the third round, um, here I'll in, in the fourth round. It's, uh, I mean, I would, I would have had a hard time choosing between him and wit. Um, they were sort of two guys I was starting targeting there, but you, you made, uh, you made it easy for me. Thank God. I can't, I can't see myself, um, I don't know. I it, it's hard for me this year to to get on the Ro, the Robert train just hmm. because I'm not good at. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm not good at being okay with guys making a massive leap like I think he needs to take. I don't know. Um, the the one I, the one memory I have of him last year is I forgot who it was, but I had a starting pitcher pitching against him, and he sort of hit a home run which is his arms extended to opposite field where he looked like he missed the ball and he had like one arm on the bat and whatever. And it went out. I'm like, wow, that dude has power. And, and you I do. I so you're a, you're, a, you're a gift drafter, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the robot. <laughs> you didn't know the, the, that the robot had that. Um, oh, there's, there's no denying the dude's got talent. I'm, I'm, I'm super leery of the swinging strike rate. That's yeah. Um, I mean, like, like I dropped him there cause my numbers put him there, yeah. but um, I feel better drafting him just cause of what I saw last year. Um, just cause of the power. I think, I think he can, I think he can figure it out, but yeah, he's risky. Um, he could, I don't, I don't know if I'd be willing to take him in like in a main, I'm probably taking wit over him just cause it feels a lot safer and I don't want to risk a third round pick. Yeah. The guy with, with so much risk, but in this 150 best ball, um, where you have backups, I'm, I'm fine with it. 
uh, obviously a lot, less, a lot less money involved than in the main. So, um, yeah. That's right. I, and it, thank you for reminding everyone that it, it's not you who made the pick. It's the system that made yeah, the yeah. pick. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't Phil, the person. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. He's not responsible. He just yeah. said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right jake um after uh lou bob you want a little kenta maeda i did and it was uh the plan was to go starter 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 with castillo maeda and then plesak and oh. that did not that did not work out because i did not anticipate how heavily these starters were going to start getting jumped up at this point right um happens right after i love my I, yeah. I I've I've been drafting Maeda for a while. I just love the I love the secondaries. I love the limiting hard contact. And he's he's just he's dude's good. I, I love the guy. I'm I'm so thrilled he finally got unleashed last year and he didn't get dicked around by the Dodgers anymore. Showed exactly how good he is. And um, you know, if I if I could do it again, I I might take Plesak to make sure I got him and let let Maeda go and get him back. But you know, I'm fine. I. I I, if I have to have one of them, they're pretty much the same for me. I, I love both of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you, after Maeda went, you know, and when Presac Scherzer Woodruff to end the round, um, and then Gray a couple picks later. Um, so you, you, you're you're pretty high on Presac. You're saying? Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think I think Dave and I have made it pretty clear how high we are on Presac. Right. I, I know one of us here doesn't agree with that, but. Yeah, I, I'm not big on please. I, uh. <laughs> I haven't targeted him. Like, I haven't looked at him at all, honestly, in any of the drafts I've started. It's pretty high. Um, it's it's a high price to pay for sure. Yeah. See, well, I'll let you know, in my, like, at least in my best ball rankings, he was ranked 120th. So, um, I yeah, was... Yeah, we know that system sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Three mains. <laughs> I'm the only one here who doesn't have an overall. That, that is true. Also. Yeah, but you got more mains than us. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a police. Like I can, um, my system probably favors stuff a little more than than command. And police Sake is a command guy, as Davis told me probably 555 <laughs> times um, <laughs> in the past month. <laughs> so um, I can I can see it. Um, the one my concern with Plesak is even if he puts up a three-year 3.5 ERA, the Indians are going to trade Lindor. They're cheap, so they're going to have – I mean, they were once, one of the worst-hitting teams last year. Oh. They won't have Lindor, so they're going to be as bad, if not worse. Um, and he doesn't get that many strikeouts. So, at least in Roto, you're, there's two categories that are going to be really tough for him. So, he needs – an ERA close to three, three point three, somewhere around there, to make up for, for for the lack of wins and strikeouts compared to, to guys going around him. So it's possible, but um, in in I guess he's probably gonna he's going in the fourth round, and Dave's talking about pushing him. He's probably gonna push him the third round by by main time um, with all his tweets. So um, don't give him any more credit. Come on. Oh man! But yeah, he he is cementing himself as the police that guy. That's for sure. Yeah, it worked out last year with Bieber. So yeah, I yeah. mean, that, 
I mean, that's, why, that's why I'm saying like it, it's not a pick I'd make. I can I can understand it, um, but for me, it feels way too risky. I hear it. I, I mean, yeah, a guy that that has such a limited MLB track record, I I totally get that. There, there, Bieber and he are just are, are super similar profiles. Um, control first guys, and it's it's the type of pitcher that the Indians really know what to do with. And you know, limiting the fastball last year. You know, bring it. He's he's got a great mix. Um, just I don't know. It, it's a guy that we feel like last year was not a mirage. It's one of those. It's one of those cases where we feel like last year really was an indication of things to come. But what yeah. about his character, man? We want to know about his character. I know the guy's a giant douche, but he's also <laughs> he's also twenty five. I, I know all of us were probably pretty douchey at twenty five. So. <laughs> Cheers to that. Oh man! I think to be worth that that fourth round pick, he has to do like Bieber and get to at least push up his caper nine by two or three to get to like eleven caper nine. So it's possible. If we'll see. Why? Right. And do we also think he's like a two hundred inning pitch guy this year? I With mean, the I Indians, don't. I mean, he's young. They're they're not going to take him out. Um, yeah. They they've shown the propensity to let their starters go. That was one of the reasons we target them so much so, and including I, the minors if i'm doing the quick math in 2019 he pitched about 175 so yeah. um there's it was only 115 in the majors but he had 37 in double a 26 in triple a so um i don't like for him yeah he's like a veteran who pitched 180 in, in 2019 and then just had the short season in 2000. So it's really, it's, it's a matter of what the short season does to these guys. And that yeah. question holds for pretty much everybody. So, yeah, exactly. Right. All right. So, um, say fifth round, we'll go through this round and then we'll just do like a general, um, overview of what we did for the rest of our drafts. Um, so came back around after the pitcher run with, uh, Luke Voigt, Arosa Reina, Sonny Gray, and then Jake, um, your first, your pick in round five was Teoscar Hernandez. Tell us about um, Mr. Teoscar there. Not, not a guy I expected to draft, honestly. I mean, I, I, I really like the guy, and it's a guy that I've drafted in years past. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm totally on board with his as high as I drafted him. Um, I there, there are a lot of things to like. There's also other stuff like the K rate to not like. So if I, you know, if I'm kind of out on, on Robert, I should be a little lower on Teoscar. I just feel like he's kind of cemented himself into that middle of the lineup after last year. Um, I don't know, man, barrel percentage is way up there. X Woba's way up there. They're all upper nineties. Exit Velo's way up there. Dude's super skilled. Uh, he runs a little bit. I don't like drafting two outfielders in the first five rounds, but at that point I really hated everything else that was going after him. So it was pretty much that or take a guy that I was going to take in the sixth or seventh round. So it, looking at what came after him, I'm, I'm okay with it. You like him over Vlad in this format? I took Vlad right after. I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do the Vlad yet. I just, I don't know. I feel like we've been, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's lost a lot of weight, Phil. Is that what system weighed into it? <laughs> yeah. Body mass index. No, not even. That's BMI. Just an extra <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I think one of the things is um, average in, in this format is actually pretty valuable, if not yeah. more valuable yeah. than, um, than in, in a Roto League. And we're, we have a good idea that he's, he's going to hit for um, two, two. I think he, he, I think he's a 280 hitter. Hasn't quite done that of late, but um, if he's a little bit quicker, I, I, I mean, I have him as a 286 hitter. Um, just the way he's hitting the ball hard, and his problem is is getting the ball up in the air. Yeah, um, it's launch angle. Yeah, but that usually when you have a lower launch launch angle with a high exit velo, you hit for a higher average. So right. um, I think that's probably what system likes, and that's why I have him at 286 uh, for average, and I actually only have him as at. Actually, it comes out 29 home runs because of, of his uh, max exit velo. So he needs a high, higher launch angle to, re, to, to do that. But he's so young. I think he, I think he can adjust. Um, but, yeah, I mean, T. Oscar, I like them as well. Um, I feel we're, like we're just sucking up to each other's picks. Uh, but um, <laughs> which I hate doing. Uh, I mean, we, we talk a lot. I mean, do you want me to say I hate Vlad? I, I don't hate yeah, him, do but it. I can say it. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Teoscar, like, I was actually hoping for Teoscar on the way back. I was taking Vlad over Teoscar, but Teoscar, I was hoping um, in round six. Um, I like him a lot as well. Probably a little, little bit more in Roto because of the stolen bases. Yeah. But I, I, I like well, him too. Vlad should be hitting for a higher average. I don't, I, I mean, the guy's still smoking the ball. He's got a really low K rate. I mean, Solid contact. I, I don't the contact percentages. I I don't understand what his deal is. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, he there, there's no way he's going to end up being just Yandy Diaz all over again. No, yeah. no chance, no chance. I don't think so. I mean, and you know, I think the max the max EV and you know the hard hit it, it is one thing that sticks in my mind when I had Ryan Bloomfield on my podcast, and you know he says that. Uh, Let me the, pick up that name for you. Hold on. <laughs> He said, uh, you know, he was talking just like about how how much it it's easier to, you know, learn to lift the ball than than it is to learn to, you know, smash the ball really hard. And um that's been stuck in my head as 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 I'm been evaluating him. And, you know, I think it's gonna come. I, I, I know it's gonna come, you know, and it it might come this year, you know. I I think a big thing too is 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 his pop, you know, and I think it's one of those situations when you when you have a chance, you know, to have a guy like that on your side to pull you aside and said, hey, you know, listen, maybe that's what spurred him to lose weight. You know, maybe someone got in his ear and said, listen, you know, this is, you got a chance here to be great, you know, so let's get, you know, let's make it happen. You know, let's do it. So um, I think there's good things to come. Um, definitely like to see him do it first, but um, I guess, you know, this is one of those situations where you have to uh, anticipate it, you know, so I like that pick there. Yeah, dude's dude's twenty one still. Twenty one, right, <laughs> right. It's just the the expectancy, you know, of him coming into the league was just tremendous, and uh, I guess just him not living up to that yet. Um, yeah, he'll what, get there. I, I'm not yeah. sure it's this year, but he's he's gonna get up there. There's there's too many things in his favor. He'll he'll fix what needs to be fixed. So I mean, now, no one would be surprised if he was going the first round next year. So, um, and I think we're getting a bit of a discount compared to where he was going in the first two years. Um, so, and right. like last year, like he was hurt in his, in his rookie year a little bit. So, 
I mean, last the short season was basically the second part of his of his rookie season. So um, he has what seven hundred fifty plate appearances in the majors. So I think he he's still working things up. But there's so much power there that I could. It, I think he can be first round pick yeah. next year. Yeah, it, I wouldn't bet on it, but it, it's possible. So I think with with the discount, I think he, he can be a good pick there. Yeah, I think this format above Roto is the one I would take him in. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So instead of talking each other's picks up, Phil, I'll give you a chance here to uh, talk my next pick down <laughs> of uh, round five, Pete Alonzo. <laughs> I know that gained a big yuck from you um, after I picked him. Um, so I'll give you the floor first into my Pete Alonzo pick. Before. Well, <laughs> I mean, my Pete, my system has Pete Alonzo as the 125th player. Um, oh. That includes starters, so um, I hope so. <laughs> Probably 80th hitter. <laughs> but okay. yeah, I don't know. I just uh, what pulls you a, off of him? Yeah, I mean, he had a good rookie year, but he's I don't know. I he hits with power, but nothing else. Um, the lower average is going to hurts him more, even more in this format. Uh, there's no stolen bases. Um, it, it's home runs, and we've seen those those young power hitters um, be good for a year and then somewhat disappear. So um, I was way off of him last year as well. I'm off of him this year. Um, I don't know. I just don't see it. A guy, I don't know. <laughs> He's coming in the league a little bit older. Um, like you said, Ladder's with 21. He can figure things out. Um, I think Alonso is a 240 hitter with power and he can, he can go cold in long stretches and he can hit 200. Um, for me, sort of Joey Gallo. Um, yeah. I, yeah. For, that's, that's kind of the thing. I, I think he's, he's a guy that's might be in your lineup half the time. And I don't know if that's a guy that I want to draft in the fifth round. Uh, plus, uh, it, it's it's hard, you know, if, if he does what he did last year, it's hard to see him also hitting above fifth yeah. in that Mets lineup. And, he, and if they add, you know, JTR or, so, or a Springer at the top or something like that, it's – I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard to see the guy giving you tons and tons of RBIs and runs hitting where he's likely going to hit unless he's his rookie yourself. So it's, it's a hard risk to take for me. Gotcha. Fair enough. And why do you like him? <laughs> uh, why do I like him? Um, you know, other than I, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a big disappointment last year. He had 16 home runs and yeah. 200, you know, 230 at bats. I mean, that's not really disappointing to me. I think. Um, you didn't think his expected numbers, uh, batting average wise, probably looks a little better than. Um, even had a little contact tick. Um, I don't know. I. Just feel like if there's a guy out there who can, you know, get me to 50 homers, I think this is the guy. I think he's got the profile for it. And um, I don't think he's going to bat fifth or sixth in the Met lineup. Um, I think he's going to get back to where he was hitting in his rookie year and, and, you know, at least two, three or four. And, um, yeah, I mean, where I had him um, projected for at at the time where he got drafted, he was, you know, one of the top guys on my board. Um, 
I had them, I had them around like, you know, the Ozzy Albee range and um, in that like 45, 50 ish overall. So, um, and I don't want to uh, kind of like first base at that point. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want the next group of guys. Um, so I wanted to get him instead of waiting or getting like the Rizzo Goldschmidt. Um, I, I hear that. I hear that. It's, it's pretty gross for a little while. Right. The weirdest thing I found in this draft, like the reason I took Machado in round two and Vlad in round five is that in a standard roto first base and third base, I think they run out pretty quickly um, because they're mostly power guys that don't steal. In this draft where steals are devalued, I actually found that middle infield and outfielders ran out a lot quicker than, than first base and third base. And that, that's the one thing that really caught me off guard in, in this draft. Um, where I was favoring those positions early. And then as I was down to round 15, 20, 25, all I saw at the top of my system was first base and third base. I'm like, oh, I, I think I screwed this up early. I should have gone more, more outfielders and middle infielders um, right. earlier in the draft. Um, just because all those middle infield and outfield late, um, they get their value because they in Roto because they get five, seven, ten steals, right. which are worth a ton. In this, they're not worth nearly as much. And then compared to the first baseman, like Joey Votto and even Miggy that Jake got in like round 40, um, who's pretty much completely useless in Roto, in best ball, it doesn't matter that he does. I mean, he's going to hit for okay average and some home runs for around 43 pick in this kind of format. Um, it, were, it I think it's a good pick. So um, if, if I was going to do this again, I'd, I'd favor middle infield and outfield earlier than, than I would the corner guys. One more thing about Alondo, by the way. Let's get back on PD. <laughs> uh, right, it's, your, it's your show. You do what you want. Uh, I just saying, he, he, you know, like eight, September, it was pretty pretty nice month for him. You know, 10 homers, 280. His contact rate was almost at 80%. I mean, I, I know he's streaky and all. That may just be, you know, that small September sample size, but – I, I I just didn't get off to a bad start. And I guess it, it's not like 16 homers in, in a short season wasn't terrible. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. entirely possible, man. I mean, yeah. it, I just think just... he's the best bet for 50 in the league. And uh, I think with improvements to the team, uh, you know, context, you know, for driving guys in and scoring is going to go up, you know, in my opinion. So, um yeah, he, he was second in, in Max Exit Velo right behind yeah. right behind Stanton. So there's no denying the dude's got massive yeah. power. Okay, all right, got you guys a little bit. All right, so <laughs> um, let's just go through real quick, um, like you know, um, the rest of your draft after the fifth round. Um, you know, your general um, overarching strategy. You know, what were your targets? Did you kind of land what you were looking to land? You know, some of your favorite picks, guys that maybe you scratched your head and said, why the hell did I pick them? Or should I be picking them here? I guess that was my biggest question I was asking myself. Um, should I be picking this The entire here? draft? The entire draft. <laughs> every single pick? <laughs> I know Phil doesn't ask those questions because he doesn't have to. But No, the robot doesn't ask anything to him. <laughs> no, system decides everything. <laughs> you want it first, Phil, or should I go? Go ahead. 
right. Um, I like I said before, I was I was planning on going pretty heavy on the starters in the first half or so of this draft, and I think I I did a pretty decent job at that. It's it's not all guys that I expected to end up with. Like I I didn't expect to take a Hinge and Ryu in the sixth. Uh, or Ian Anderson. I, Ian Anderson's a guy that I'm not on pretty much at all, but that's because he's going super, super early, like seventh round in a in a 15 team. I, you know, I, 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 I didn't like much else in the in the ninth round when when I took him. So I, I figured I'll just keep piling the starters up. Not a guy I expect to have really good control this year, but he could he could deliver for me a, a, a decent amount of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of kept piling up the guys I liked. I took Musgrove. I took Urquidy. I took Urquidy. I love Jose Urquidy. Um, yeah, last year was a total disaster for him with all the COVID complications, but, uh, guys got another, he's, he's a super mature pitcher. I mean, he has a, a, a seasoned veterans pitch mix and I, we love those control guys, uh, are in, um, yeah, and then I just kind of filled it out with guys that I kept thinking were falling a little bit more than they should in the in the twelve to like twenty rounds. I, I love you. I was gonna say I love you twelve to thirteen. The Yaz Geo. Yeah, um, I, Yaz. I was I was thinking about taking Yaz in the tenth round, and then he right. I mean, if you look at falling and absolutely, just that round and, of outfielders: Buxton, Carlston, Mancini, Meadows. That's a lot of you know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of question mark there, and I don't think there's any with Yaz. Uh, he's I, I love him. I, right. I mean, he's cemented himself in the top of that lineup. He's shown that he's not, you know, he, uh, he's a he's a late bloomer, but he's he, he's shown he's got some skills and he's got some power and he's he's running a little bit too. Uh, I mean, I like Solak. I like San, Santander is another guy that we love. Um, I, I didn't expect to have four or five outfielders by the fifteenth round either. That's not really my normal strategy, but. In a league like this, uh, it, it kind of made sense. Those those are the guys that I projected for the highest value at those points, looking at everything. Um, yeah, I, I I plan on getting those starters early, filling in the gaps with some offensive players that I liked, and then kind of pounding the 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 offense harder towards the end. Um, I, I also mentioned before that I didn't want to get shut out on catchers, and I I kind of. I didn't like what I ended up at catch, with at catcher. I, I was not too happy with, uh, I ended up with Pedro Severino. I didn't take my first catcher till him in the 25th. So I went Severino and Ramos. I expected Ramos to, to end up somewhere where he's going to have probably a 60 to 70% share of the playing time. Uh, Luis Torrens is a guy that I, I like a good amount because I don't really trust Tom Murphy. Tom Murphy's a platoon hitter pretty much, a short side platoon hitter. So I'm not too worried about him in, in Seattle. They, they traded for him to play him. So, I you know, it could work out for me. And I also drafted Caratini to round that position out. I, I'm, I feel like every year in a D.C., I usually hit on two or three really late catchers. I, I've had Vasquez a couple of years ago, Aaron Nola last year. And I, I feel like I, I end up with pretty decent catcher darts. So I was okay waiting just as long as I got you know, three or four of them that I felt like I was decently comfortable having in the lineup. Um, and then I, you know, I grabbed a couple starters towards the end too. I, I only took one reliever, as I mentioned before. I took Colome. And Colome, I feel like is going to end up somewhere where he's going to close just because he, I, I know it sounds stupid, but but the dude is a closer. I mean, he, he gets the job done all the time. He, everybody wants to knock his skills every year. 
and he just keeps getting the job done. I mean, he can easily go back to Chicago or there's a number of other places he can end up and close. So that's the one closer that I took and I feel pretty comfortable. I'm going to get value out of him. And then I just, you know, took darts on guys that I like. I, I like Sensatella and Coors uh, in a best ball. Like, cause I, I don't have to worry about when to start the guy. He's going to deliver me a few good starts. Uh, Josh Fleming in Tampa. They're looking to trade Blake Snell. Uh, he, he's going to, keep getting a decent amount of starts there. And I like the guy. So I know that's, that's kind of cursory, but, uh, Oh, I, I forgot about, uh, Logan Gilbert. Uh, another dude that, that Dave and I are pretty high on very, very polished college arm that even though Seattle has a decent amount of arms in their rotation projected right now, there's a number of them that are not, you know, super reliable. Um, and, I, 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 we feel like he's going to get a job, if not right away, pretty early on in the season. Yeah, I feel the same way about him. I think he's definitely going to get them early run. He's, he's impressive, that's for sure. I like your um, a couple of your later picks too, like Miggy. Miggy's, uh, you know, at 43, it, it's a little sneaky right there, you know. He's, I, I know, right? He, I he, like, yeah, oh, yeah. This, this actually makes sense at this point. Yeah. Right, right, absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you click on the Statcast uh, page, it's some pretty, some pretty solid red returns. And he's gonna hit third, right? Right. He's gonna drop him to sixth. He's gonna be hitting third. They're paying him six god million dollars, or six thirty million, thirty-two million, whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's nice. I like um, I like that. And you know, I think we discussed our love for Lori Garcia too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't so know why I always end up I know. on a team at some point. He had a like great week for me once in 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 a roto league. It was like just a good scoop. Like uh, I think there was I forget maybe two years ago, and there was a bunch of big time um, bids that week, and I it was, he was just like a dollar guy that like I produced everyone that week. So he had you know a spot. And I, I picked him up for I think seventy six dollars in my main event last year and he broke his finger or whatever it was the day after I picked him up. So that was super great. So he owes me this year. He does. He and does. Jeff Hoff- and Jeff Hoffman just got acquired by the Reds and you know if, if Kyle Body's still there, you know, who knows what the hell they can do with him. So I figured- Yeah, yeah. Pine Tar and Drive Line. Yeah. That's that's the new place. <laughs> <laughs> the Bauer plan. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Phil, go ahead. What do you got? Um, my my goal was to, with this draft was to get guys with jobs, um, and basically I got uh, eighteen of my first twenty two picks were hitters. Because uh, we talked earlier, I felt like I can get in the late rounds. I feel like you can get starters with a job, but you can't get hitters with a full time job. There are a lot of platoon guys, so. Um, my goal was to go hitter heavy early with a few starters sort of sprinkled in um, when I felt it was good value. Glasnow was one of those in the sixth round where I'm not that high on him, but he slipped compared to his DC um, ADP by at least a round, I think. So um, went after him. Frambear, I love in the seventh. He's one of, one of the starters I'm, I'm high on. Um, I don't in my system. I don't use playoff stats, but in in the playoffs, he, he looked like an ace. Um, and last year, he, I picked him up on, I think four of my six main event teams. I think he was on all my my winning main event teams. So, it uh, he's got a soft spot in my heart for for that. Um, 
And yeah, after after those two guys in round six and seven, I just went hitter. I got what is it, ten hitters in a row, like guys like Nick Castellanos, Dansby Swanson, Mount Castle, uh, Darno, Segura, Ian Happ, and so on. So um, all guys with with regular playing time that I could get around around those spots. And then late in the draft, um, I was just going after the old starters that I feel like pretty good about starting. <laughs> um, Jay Happ, Adam Wainwright, um, Kikuchi, um, Freeland, we talked about, um, Turnbull, the younger, but um, all guys that I feel are, are going to start and hoping that with uh, I can combine the, those two start weeks. Well, not I, but the the best ball um, algorithm, I guess. Um, the best ball <laughs> people, <know>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using those two stars two star weeks as much as possible, hoping that out of my, um, what is it, 21 starters, or I guess, yeah, I think I have three relievers in there, 18 starters that I get, I don't know, four or five wins out of those guys, and they, they use them in my in my starting lineup for that week. Um, for relievers, I got Matt Barnes in the 26th round. I think he's one of the few with, uh, with a safe job as a closer because the Red Sox have – one starter i think so if they're gonna spend money they're gonna spend it <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna spend it getting four other starters um i don't think and they're not gonna compete this year so i don't see why they'd spend money to bring a guy in to take barnes's job and he did good he he did well last year so i think his job is pretty safe in 26th round i felt good about it um and then mark milan mark Melanson in the 39th round um he's closed pretty much his entire career uh just in 2019 i think he he uh he didn't start with the job but he took it over he's had saves for what was it like the eight eight last years um so i as a free agent who gets to choose where he's going to pitch um i i'm pretty sure he wants to close so he's going to pick a team that's going to let him close so um and again even if he starts with the job for three months and loses after that um, those three months are going to be really valuable in, in best ball. Um, so yeah, that, that was my strategy go. I mean, honestly, if you take, I think pretty much any set of projections and you add up all of our plate appearances and innings pitch, I'm probably at the top for both. Um, some of them aren't good players, but they're all going to play. So, um, that's sort of what, what I'm going after. And, um, it, it worked in, in DCs for me. I've had success in DCs with that strategy. So I'm hoping it works. It works as well in best ball. Um, makes sense. It definitely makes sense. The approach is just gaining volume. Um, like you said, you know, maybe not the best, you know, uh, quality of that volume, but all, you know, in best ball, you just need their best weeks, you know, and if you're getting a ton of uh, two start weeks um, from some lesser pitchers, but still putting up some you know some decent amount of points in those weeks um i i know like i was saying last year i got i got um adam wainwright i got in in my in one of my winning dcs and like wainwright redefined upside last year um if if you could have picked one guy after round 30 that doesn't have upside you probably would have said wainwright um but he had a great year so i think starters they can get so lucky with dra and wins that um anyone who gets a chance to start uh can have a good year. So I'm sort of banking on volume there, hoping that two, three, four of them surprise and, and have a decent year. You know, it's gotcha. not, it's not, not that I don't, 
I, I liked drafting next to you, Phil, just because I knew that our <laughs> strategies were going to be very different from each other. Yeah. We, we, we kind of, we, we overlapped on some picks. You, you took a couple of my guys. I think I took a couple of yours yeah, at some point, but I, I knew that our strategies in terms of when we were going to draft starters was going to work really well being next to each other. So I, I'm, I'm a little happy about that in that regard. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I noticed that you were one of three teams to only have three catchers. You feel strong uh, uh, about that move, or was that something that was just from that, that happened out of the draft, or that was what you were planning on going in? That, that was the plan. Uh, I started, I mean, I have JTR and Darno, so they're my two yeah. guys. I felt like the late mm-hmm. catchers, um, like even in the points format like the the last catchers i think they're looking at about like 100 or 150 points so i'm like even even if if darno gets hurt and uh, roto perez i got late they both get hurt and then i'm without a catcher for a couple of weeks i don't think it's huge deal in in best box i think those 100 150 points i can make up elsewhere um obviously it hurts it, it hurts if jtr or darno get hurt but replacements that i'm getting um i don't feel like they could add as much as as the, the safety i'm getting from from having an extra starter or reliever that um i i'd rather have more starters and and hope i i think a guy like let's see oh rich hill is a bad example i don't know why i made that pick um i just like the upside but with dm what's wrong why doesn't anyone want rich hill i know that like rich hill for me i was sort of Thinking the best ball way. He, where... He's older than the round you took him in. <laughs> <laughs> that should have, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, right Rich, I was sort of thinking, like, even if he starts 10 games, where I, like what I was saying about a closer, where, where the points are so condensed, I was thinking he, he could he could be valuable there. But let's see who's Alex Cobb. I think he can be in my lineup more often than a fourth catcher would be. Um, gotcha. That's fair. Yeah, definitely fair. 100%. I mean, for for a guy like me that didn't draft catchers till the second half of the draft, it makes more sense to draft. More. Yeah, that's different. Because if you're yeah. doing that, you get you get four guys, and you and you want the best two every week. Um, right. But when you have two good ones, the 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 I mean, Perez is isn't going to give me many more points than than Darno and Real Muto if they stay healthy. So. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if JTR's I, if I not in your lineup, there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that too. If you you know, if you have two two stronger catchers, you could definitely lean on the three. Um I I, I had I ended up with two catchers um pretty early as well. I had two before the twelfth. Um Will Smith in the ninth and Vasquez in the twelfth. And I still went with the fourth anyway. With my last pick I went with um Andrew Knapp. Because I was kind of looking at like um, yeah. JTR, you know, leaving, and yeah. I kind of like he's got like a sneaky good profile. So I was kind of looking at him stepping into some at bat. And Kurt Dukey also just one of those steady, steady Eddie guys who I'm sure he'll get a job and you know he'll get his 300 at bats and um, you know contact skills. I like that. I'm just I was really trying to focus on that on the build like I was mentioned before. Um, trying to look at guys who are not prone to like, you know, those big type of, um, you know, swings in their, in their games. Um, 
so after my terrible pick of Pete Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't um, say that. I, I like, um, I, I went with Javi Baez, um, you know, just, uh, I think he's going to rebound into a pretty solid year. Um, and then I went Hendricks Chapman, Liam Hendricks Chapman, uh, back-to-back rounds. Um, again, I just like them there versus the starters that were going around there. Um, and once I picked Hendricks, I kind of went in my head, like was hoping that Chapman would lend back to me. Um, so I could double tap those two. Um, then Will Smith, um, you know, I know we're talking about plate appearances possibly being down for him and playing less games, but I just like what he can do in those games that he's going to play. Um, when, and then in the 11th round, it was kind of like an un, uh, a pick I normally wouldn't make, but I went with J.D. Martinez. Um, just felt at that point it was like 120th uh, pick, and I don't know. Uh, I know he's a UT, like util only right now. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about J.D.? I, you know, I know he's a, he'd been talked about a lot. I just felt at that point I was like, you know, well, what if this guy just even gets back to, you know, 28? you know, a hundred or I don't know. It, it just seemed like it was one of those places where it's like, I think I'm going to take a shot on this guy right here when I'm it's normally so, wouldn't it's target so him. It's so hard for me because we, we're, we're really down on the utility only guys, especially guys right. coming off the year that JD had. I mean, who knows how much of it is that, you know, not being able to look at video in the dugout and all that other stuff. I, I mean, Last year was is is it an anomaly? I mean, it was it was just so bad, just so uncharacteristically bad too. I, I know, yeah. I, I've never been a JD guy, even when he was going in the in the second round. I always had him as like a fourth, fifth round guy. Um, he's not the type of player I usually go after, but I mean, in the eleventh round, the UT only I I think is better in best ball than than another league. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's not as bad as the Pete Alonso pick, let's put it that way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Pete, Pete's ears are ringing tonight, that's for sure. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, so. Before you so, did this pod, I told you, like, I don't like those, those, those pods where they look at a draft and they all suck up to each other's picks and they say, oh, everyone has a great team, so. Right. Actually, if I'm coming out, I'm not doing that. So I'm, no. I'm doing my part as I promised. hundred percent. I appreciate that. It's only going to make, it's only going to make me look into the process, you know, my process and see if I, I, I am doing, you know, things. That yeah. I you you knew what you yeah. were getting into when you brought Phil on. Cause he already said he was going to do this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you look at JD Martinez's Statcast page is just the red sea. I mean, it is, it is absolutely loaded with upper 90s you know, bad, uh, you know, expected batting statistics and hard hit percentages. And, and what, what the hell happened last year? I mean, I know he's old, but I mean. A, he, a lot of things stayed the same. And, you know, that's what um, I was kind of looking at. And he's like, you know, there's, there's, there's some metric that really didn't change dramatically. I mean, besides. The barrel percentages were down, but his exit velo was down. Launch angle raised a bit, but he's he's fluctuated a lot in that. Right, right. I, it's it's I mean, his K percentage didn't go up any higher than it's been in years past. His walk percentage is is fine. Like, 
I, I don't know. Did did he just get unlucky last year or what? I mean, you know. I, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is part of that. Let me like I'm I'm looking at my my system. If I'm using only the um, there's two parts to it. One part is I'm just using the steamer projections from um before the 2020 season combined with the a lot of stat cast stuff from last year if i just use that part he comes out as hitter number 44 so getting him in the 11th round is is good value um the other part of the system is where i add um other variables like age like um what else like a, like a balance um i usually prefer hitters a little more balanced i can um steal a few bases things like that um and that part bumps him down probably mainly the age that that bumps him yeah. down so um if you're looking just at like i can see the value just looking at the stat cast stuff um like if if healthy and if he hits like last year i think he's going to be worth that pick um it's just everything that comes with it not being in in that great of a lineup anymore um the risk of injuries he's 32 i believe so um, 33 yeah 33 so yeah that that's the part where um i'm i i wouldn't make the pick but i like i was i was saying it's a bad bit but i don't think it's i think it's fine i was sort of joking um i, I can see the value in in jd um yeah at that point in the draft yeah at that point in the draft exactly yeah. and i even you know admitted it you know, it wasn't my, you know, my usual target for a guy like him, but um, I just felt that I could get some possible value out of that pick. So, I don't know. But um, keep going through real quick. Some of my favorite picks uh, that I had, you know, um, later on in the draft, Austin Riley, I'm kind of high on him this year. Um, Brian Reynolds, another guy kind of like always – think that he doesn't get enough love as he should and on the surface it looked pretty bad but um I just think he's gonna play I don't think he's in in you know gonna lose any playing time and I think he's I, I think his skills are gonna take a pretty solid step up and you know I just mass like volume right there 600 at bat that's what I was looking at yeah, um I'm a, I'm a fan of that one I think, yeah I think you're gonna be good with that yeah I, I I'm liking that pick um and then Mr. Puig, you know, I, I, I didn't know take a Puig. It was, I think, one of the only batters taken that round. It was full of yellow. Um, and some reason his name just kept popping up on my on my sheet. And I'm like, hmm, you know, what can this guy uh, do for me this year? Um, I don't know. You yeah, got my boy Adam Frazier in 30th round. I got your boy Adam Frazier <laughs> for, the, for the second base outfield. <laughs> He's, you know, I look at his name all the time because of you now. It's just like his name just happens to stick out on pages yeah. whenever he's there. And it was like yeah. I was saying it in round like 25. I was think, starting to, oh, wow, I need I need outfielders. I'm like, okay, don't worry. Adam Frazier is probably going to be there in round 31, 32. He, I, he's, I, I can get him there. And then I realized you're picking right before me in round 30. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting Frazier. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you got, but you got Wayno, so you're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wayno. Do, you, do you know of my love for Wayno? I think I think Dave's mentioned that before. I yeah, I, I think I do. Yeah. yeah. I've uh, yeah, he's 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 one of my boys for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Mr. Wainwright. 
And yeah, a um, couple of other picks that I, you know, I was looking to, I don't know, I, I don't like the way I filled the back end of, you know, some pitching volume. Um, I think I took a shot on some young kids like Trevor Rogers and Keegan Aiken. Um, I feel like they're just like a couple of tweaks away from um, being some really solid major leaguers. Um, I don't know why it's a Jose Quintana. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Phil theory. I mean, there, there's so few guys that have jobs at that point. That that I was considering him at that point, too. Right. You know, it's just um, – I mean, all those guys like Keegan Aiken, Brubaker were two guys I was looking at because, um, I mean, there was probably 15, 20 starters left that I think had a good chance at having a job. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, those two I I'm I'm kinda like targeting them and it seems like um most of the leagues that I've been getting involved in and um uh you know, like another guy like Jason Hayward, it's just boring but you know, volume, you know, at, at that point it's looking at okay, um it's guys in the lineup all the time, you know, basically. Um thirty second round. Uh, Elvis Andrews was another guy I was looking at for that same reason. I knew they were talking about moving him around as a super utility guy. Now that Alifa is definitely going to play shortstop, that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, yeah. How is uh, and Mr. Braun round thirty seven? I don't know if he's going to play this year. I hope he does, but I think he will. I I, I think he's coming back. Um, Somebody um, will sign him. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I pretty much. Rounded out, you know, anything that stood out to me with my picks. Um, uh, again, I, I don't think I took enough starters at the end of the draft. Um, there, there was still some batters that, like, were kind of catching my eye, and I don't know if I just didn't roster enough pitchers uh, at the end. Um, but even a guy like Orlando Garcia, like, I, again, it was just like a strictly like a volume play. I don't see him – you know, he, he he had some spurts last year where he really, um, you know, had some of those, the best skills of his career. So he might just be getting better at this point of his career. You know, he's still a young guy. Um, and another pick uh, that I wanted to actually throw out to you guys is, uh, what do you guys think about Miles Mikolas this year? I know he's got some injury concerns. You think he's one of those guys that's, that's going to go out there and uh, pitch through it? think he's gonna land back on the shelf i'll be honest is he throwing bullpens yet i don't know what his uh rehab schedule is yeah i i i i think he was on the um on the verge of doing so okay uh with with that vote of confidence i probably wouldn't be taking him there no (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's just i I wasn't that high on him before TJS, so. He didn't have yeah, TJS, I've never though. been high uh, on what, him. What, is, what did he have? I don't know. Was it shoulder sir? I don't know. He had something major. I, yeah, I don't know what it was. I think he bypassed the surgeries. Did he? Yeah. Season injuring. Oh, flexor tendon. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a guy I'm not going to touch then. I just had surgery on my flexor tendon. I feel great. I mean, are, are you on the I'm mound just, yet? I'm just or... letting you know. <laughs> my supersonic wiffle ball pitch has gotten <laughs> dramatic rise already. <laughs> Throwing 100-pitch screwball burp bullpens right now. Oh, man. So, okay. So, we're going to end off this podcast with a 
a blessing from the our fellow league members. Um, yeah, thankfully, I, they were they were totally on board with this. Yeah, this was uh, you know something that I you know again we have a a a group DM with everyone in the league, um, and Phil threw something out there as like we were going to do this podcast and roast some picks, and um, I, everyone was was really cool like just saying yeah I would love for you guys to throw out some some shitty picks we made so um took me some time to really get into my head that we were actually going to do it uh again this is this, this is not to you know uh, say everyone's terrible but we we're just going to point out some some picks that made us scratch our heads a little bit um to say it nicely but it's actually called the stupid pick draft so <laughs> Way, way to go for the euphemism there. Yeah. So, yeah, Phil, you pick for the draft. <laughs> Phil, this was your idea. So, um, <laughs> you know, let's do it. Let's. Uh, who do you? Who are you picking first? Um, just because I want to make him the first overall pick, it's going to be Waxman's uh, pick. Um, and I was actually, I, I really liked his start to the draft until um, round ten where he picked Dylan Moore. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, even in Roto, I'm not high on Dylan Moore, but I can understand the value of stolen bases and getting him at that point. But in best ball, um, in the 10th round, he's maybe a 250 hitter, which in best ball gives you zero points. Um, maybe 20, 25 home runs. The, steal, the steals aren't nearly as valuable and he's on a bad team, so runs and RBIs aren't going to be there. And if if that average comes down to 200, 220, he's not going to be hitting first or second in that lineup. So um, in the 10th round, that's way too early for me um, when, let's see, who else? Um, I mean, Moncato went after him, Eric Osmer. I got Moncastle in that round. Um, for me, they're just guys that in this format are a lot better. Um, for me, Dylan Moore would have been like a pick in around 15, 20 in this format. I just don't like it around 10. Gotcha. Jake, give me your first roast. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll take the guy that's a little, a little higher in terms of ADP. I'll go with, uh, Kevin Biggio, um, that was our, our, our dude, uh, Eric Albright, right? Yes. Uh, it was at pick 40, what is it, 50, 57. Um, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know. I've been hearing about him for years being a, an upper tier second baseman. And I, I, I don't know, I, people like his plate patience, but I think it's just more reticence to swing. Uh, the guy doesn't do much in terms of exit velo. His launch angle puts him as a fly ball hitter. And when you're a fly ball hitter with low exit velo, uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of average out of that. Right. And I mean, yeah, you walk a lot, but in this league, it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot if you're not driving runs or hitting dongs. So I don't see any reason to take a second baseman like him in the fifth round. I know second base is not the, everybody's favorite position, but I, I I don't expect him to hit above 240, frankly. So I don't see the point. I like it. 
I I I don't see I don't see that average climbing above that either. Um, yeah, and then if, I don't know. It, 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 I think it's a lot to be desired there. Again, I think it's uh, a, a lot more hype than um, actual substance with a guy like Bicho. Right? You know, I guess everyone's drawn to the multi eligibility. You know, um, second, third, and outfield, right? This year. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty extensive, but I mean. Yeah. It's- even with, with with that, his profile, I don't project him to be a guy that's going to be in your lineup a ton. Right. Right. Okay. In the fifth round, that's that's pretty tough to swallow yeah. in the fifth round for me. Right, right. I'm going to stay in the fifth round, too, with my first stupid pick. Um, <laughs> dang it. My boy Dave Swan. I love Dave. Um, but John Carlos Stanton in the fifth round, um, it just, to me, is quite puzzling. Um, uh, I don't know. Util only to start the season. We'll start with that. Didn't qualify for the outfield to start. Um, who knows, you know, when he gets there too. So now you're, you know, locked into that Util pretty early in the draft as well. Even if he does qualify for outfield early, um, he already took two outfielders with his first four picks. Um, so not an ideal build for me. Um, yeah, I just think it's too early. The you know the the risk profile for me is it, it's it's not something I'm getting into um, where I can't pick people up. You know, when I can't pick players up, um, yeah. So my first pick for the stupid draft is uh, <laughs> stupid John Carlos. <laughs> yeah. That was draft. a great name, Phil. Thanks. Um, are we snaking or are we going to go back to first? Yeah, you go again. Go again. All right. Um, my second stupid pick, um, it would be um, round eight uh, from uh, Derek Rhodes. Uh, it's the injury timeline uh, tool. Is phenomenal. Uh, definitely been diving into that a little bit. Um, he took a guy who just had hip surgery in round eight and Matt Chapman. Um, I just think he, he never wowed me. Um, with something that I think is uh, ultra desired. Uh, I just think it's a skill set that you could definitely find later on. And there was still some third, decent third baseman that I had ahead of, um, ranked ahead of him, um, still available on the board, like Gio, Rosella, Mancada, um, you know, Hayes, Edmund, even Chris Bryant. They were all out there. And I just think the uh, the possible possibility of him not getting back onto the field, A, <laughs> Um, and it's just, I don't know, I, nothing ever um, wowed me about um, his overall skill set. So um, go Matt Chapman there. All right, you're up, Jake. That means I'm up. Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll go after our guy, Eric Cross, then. Um, uh, round round eight, it, it's – I don't know if it's so much – I guess if it's in the top 10 rounds for me, it's it's just not a pick I'm into, and that's Denelson Lamette. That was at – oh, what pick is that? So 8 times 12, 96. Is that pick 96? Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to take a guy that's, first of all, a two-pitch pitcher in the top eight rounds unless it's a super – Super, super. Uh, I've said that a lot today for some reason. Just, just a, a guy with extenuating circumstances. One, one guy that, a guy that's. I, I don't believe in the fact that 
his his two pitches are going to perform well enough to keep him up at that stratosphere. But a, a guy that's coming off of a biceps tightness that kept him out of the playoffs, plus he's a guy that's already had Tommy John before. Um, I, it's just not not a guy I like. We we don't take guys that are massive injury risks. He's he's definitely one of them. Um, I I actually thought he was going to go a little bit higher in this draft, so I'm kind of surprised he he dropped down to the eighth round, the end of the eighth round. But even there, it's not a guy I'm into. I know I know he's got his fanboys, and it, you know his his stuff is electric when it's on, but it's it's not a profile that we're gonna we're gonna deal with. Fanboys. <laughs> Go like Phil. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, uh, James Karinchak, we sort of talked about earlier in the eighth round. Um, in a roto league where you have to get saves, I get the pick, um, even though I think it's risky uh, because I'm not convinced he's going to be the closer. The Indians are cheap. Um, starting making him a closer right now um, is going to cost more in arbitration in the next two years. Um, he had huge issues with walks and I, I have, I think there's a good chance that the Indians bring in a guy, either a Mark Melanson or a Greg Holland or that kind of old closer guy for a couple million, um, which seems to be all the Indians want to spend on the player in, in free yeah. agency. Um, I think would fit right in. They can pretend that they want to spend money if, if they make a move like that, um, so you're getting a guy in the eighth round who loses all his value if he's not a closer. Um, and, and again, in a roto draft, I can get it because you have to get saved. And there's so few guys that we, we know are going to get saved. So you have to take some chances. But in this kind of draft, it's – there's not – like even if he's the closer, I don't think he's worth much more than the eighth round pick. And there's so much downside. Um, there's probably a 50% chance that it's just a completely wasted pick. So for me in the eighth round, that's way too early. Yeah. And you're not even mentoring, mentioning how bad his walk rates were last year. And yeah, he just exactly. cratered. I mean, halfway through the season, he just fell off the table. That's why Phil, Phil, how do you say his last name? Matan? 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 Yeah. 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 <laughs> Calling it right now. Leading the Indians in saves. Oh, I, I was ragging on him so much in our in our consortium chat because we're all Indians fans. He, he's he just gives it up so bad. Uh, he's he's really bad. I, I actually I kind of I, I think Phil's onto something with the the Greg Holland idea because you're right. They're cheap as hell, and that's just the kind of move they would make to make it seem as though they're spending money. I, I can totally see that happening, and then and they'd be Greg, doing it to save money because they yeah, they put the rent more yeah. so. If yeah. they say, okay, we're spending $2 million now, it's going to pretend we want to spend, but in fact, right. it's going to save us money in the long run. So Yeah, you got you got Karinczak, you got Class A. One of them is going to end up being closer material at some point. It, it makes total sense. I, I, I think you're really on to something there. We can really um, say that without even seeing Class A pitch yet? I mean, I, well, we saw him in 2019. Dude, dude's got the stuff to close. I, I mean, Karinczak and he both – have the stuff to close it's just a matter right. of control and not doing steroids <laughs> why those are good things <laughs> 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 all 
so not, uh, not for Cano. Well, may, yeah, maybe for Mets fans, it was good that Cano was doing steroids. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> juice up. Dude, he was doing stuff that they were doing in the eighties. Like, like <laughs> thought they weren't going to test anymore. Yeah. What was it like, Boldadone or whatever? Yeah. yeah. He just randomly found the like a bottle in like, <laughs> you know, like, like an apartment in Queens. I don't know. It's just uh, really random to me. Uh, I, whatever. Uh, good. See you later. That's it. See you later for now. It's no big deal. We'll make time. More time for hey, Jeff. You still McDonald. got more time with him after this year too, so you better oh, hope God. he keeps doing that stuff. Maybe the maybe the Mariners want him back for Hellenic. <laughs> he doesn't run though, so. Right, right. Oh man. Okay, so stupid pick draft is done. Um, you know, Bill wanted to go a couple more rounds, but I think we're. <laughs> I'm really surprised we we didn't pick any of each other's. Did we, did we decide we weren't going to do that? Well, I mean, I think we spoke enough about Peter's off. Peter's off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think I mean, we made fun of each other's picks enough that we can actually – I well, I made fun of, of your guys' picks enough that I, that I think we can afford to do this draft without – Yeah, you, you have mind. numbers to back it up. We just have conjecture. <laughs> we, just, yeah, we just have feelings. <laughs> 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 oh man that's cool man so that was great you know i think like we were saying we we have no idea um about these best ball leagues but i think it's cool that um you know took some time to uh hammer out the first draft of uh nfbc history of this format um, yeah right yeah that's pretty neat I, yeah, I think it's very neat you know i think it's cool how everyone came together and uh i put the tweet out there and uh we got it going really quick. You know, Greg was really happy that we were able to put the draft together and uh, get one on the board. So hopefully people follow through. Um, have Have you peeked into, Phil, have you peeked into your league that you joined up? Is, has it become more full or? It's still three, three out of 12. So Still three? Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm just going to have to put out another tweet. Yeah, if, if you want to get that up. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to stay in it for another week after that. I'll probably be uh, – Hopping out because I don't want to be drafting over the Christmas break. So, um, right, right. Hopefully, if, if anyone's listening and want, wants to join and uh, thinks my picks were stupid, then go ahead and jump in and uh, <laughs> <laughs> take advantage yeah. of me in the uh, in, in the next best ball draft. I want to see Pete Pete Alonzo's ADP for the rest of the uh, <laughs> best ball season. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, you know giving a little uh, crack at this best ball thing. I think definitely think it's going to be something, you know, you can jump into uh, more because I like the whole ability to, you know, not have to make a decision on lineups and just a way to fill out, you know, if you want to do some extra drafting um, during the season. Um, so, yeah, cool. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, you guys have uh, anything going on um, content-wise or, uh, you know, you, you guys want to tell the listeners about anything in the future? Phil, you got something coming up, yeah? Uh, yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at PhilDuso27. And then uh, there might be a special Rotosaurus pod coming up um, Whoa. soon when oh. Jake can record. <laughs> oh, I thought, do you have, don't you have something else going on? No? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'll be on the uh, SP streamer tomorrow night as well. Awesome. Um, so okay. it'll be fun, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. 
uh, Dave and I, Dave McDonald and I are recording uh, our first Rotosaurus pod in a couple weeks tomorrow night. Uh, we just released our line of merch a few days yeah. ago. Thanks to thanks to Rob, especially for being our our first purchaser right out the gate. Bam. Uh, yeah, you got that got that orange T-shirt and it looks pretty fly. I love it, man. It looks good, man. Love I, it. I, it looks good on you too. Thank That's you, good. buddy. Um, yeah. So we're recording tomorrow night. We're gonna uh, we'll we'll probably touch on this a little bit, but. I feel like it's it's kind of it's your thing, so I want to keep a lot of the info on your pod. But we're gonna touch on a lot of the news and of the day, of and, and looking at our, our off-season strategies. And um, you know, I not doing any writing right now. It's pretty much just the pod. So listen to the pod. Hopefully, buy some merch if you like it. We we do feel like we have a pretty sweet logo. Uh, we're looking forward to the uh, pull hitter merch too. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Here's a little preview right here. Yeah, I like that. That's looking. That's looking slick. I like the, the just the two tone look looks real good. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I I love I love the I love your logo. The merch, it's just it's, the shirt came out mint. Um, quality yeah. of it, awesome. I love the bell and canvas t-shirts. They are just primo. Um, yeah, they fit real nice. Right, right. So everyone, get out there, get get some of that Rotosaurus merch. Go out to your local supermarket and have people ask you. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been wearing my face mask around. There's there's a there's an old older uh, elderly lady in the uh, the grocery store that was eyeing me up, wondering what the hell was going on with my face mask. Today. Yeah, it's Jurassic Park Four. <laughs> my high stakes heat. No, I had the high stakes heat one on. She was trying oh, to. Nice. I could tell she was trying to read it. She was just staring at me. I'm like, I'm not that ugly. You got to be reading my mask. <laughs> Oh man. slash merch. Go hit that up. Yep. Guys, go get your stuff. Support the uh the fine men over there at Rotosaurus. Um yeah, man. Again, thank you guys for taking time out. Come out and talk some best ball. And Jake, you know, feel free. You know, just is not my league only. You you guys were a big part of it. And I'll you know, Dave was cheerleading from the sideline. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, just, he, was, he couldn't bring himself to drafts before March. So, yeah. The, the best was when he, I said, hey, Dave, I got a couple spots left. He's like, I'm, I'm not home right now. And <laughs> I remember DMing Phil, like, yo, what, what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> All I wanted is a yes or a no. <laughs> he, apparently, his phone does not work unless he's at home. The only one. <laughs> Okay. All right. I get that. Uh, <laughs> uh, sweet, man. All right, guys. Cool. We'll end this uh, call right now, and um, I'll see you guys sometime soon. Because uh, doing, doing podcasts with you guys is uh, fun, easy, and it's great. So, Thanks for having us. It was awesome. Thank you. 100%. All right, fellas. Sometimes. Cool. Alrighty, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Thank you guys for listening and showing your listener support throughout this journey of the Pull Hitter Podcast. It's really awesome that I have people tuning in, curious to see what the show brings. It means a lot to me and just wanted to let you guys know it's very much appreciated. Thank you so, so much. This episode was great. It's always great having friends that are ready to challenge you with your picks and to give you good constructive criticism back to, uh, about maybe why they think certain picks you made 
were were bad or good and um it's just an invaluable thing to have is some good friends by your side willing to you know help you on your journey to fantasy and it's just important to keep an open mind you know and learn from anything that people have to say about your your draft tactics and your strategies because I think the best way we can grow is to listen to each other and take in as much knowledge as we can to try to further our development in playing fantasy. Um, again, like I said, this this podcast was was you know a bunch of fun for us to just lay out there and talk about our draft and our approaches and have the blessing of the listeners and the fellow guys in the league to roast a couple of picks. So, uh, again, it was really cool. I like how we could challenge each other and push each other to new heights and playing this game. So, um, if anyone has not yet done so, a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts is, would be hugely appreciated by me. Um, if not just listening is, is, great thank you so much so with that being said i hope everyone had a wonderful thanksgiving and i hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season this year i think with all that's been happening in the world it's really time to um hold everyone in our close lives really close and um you know be grateful and thankful for what we have and not think so much of the things we don't and just be kind to one another love one another And we'll see you next time on the Pull Hitter Podcast. Thank you so much, guys.